Okay, good evening, everyone. I am calling the Peace River Town Council regular meeting of January 24th to order at 5.01. So we have the agenda in front of us. Great. Okay, good evening, everyone. I am calling the Peace River Town Council regular meeting of January 24th to order at 5.01. So we have the agenda in front of us. Great. Okay. So do we know if, I guess we'll just carry on and see if that keeps happening. Okay, so we have the agenda in front of us. Um, Acting CAO uh, Bell, are there any additions and deletions? There are a number, Your Worship. Uh, additions to the agenda. The first item is uh, community engagement re-proposed Alberta Provincial Police Force to be added under new business. Okay, so new business item. Uh, 10. Is it, or is it under information? I'm sorry. Yes, Informa information, that information is correct. Item five, okay. Yep. And others? Uh, under uh, items, under closed session, uh, FOIP Division 2 exceptions to disclosure, Section 27, privileged information. And also under new business item, RFD organizational review. So it'd be an item nine. Item nine, uh, number four. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, it would be number nine under item. Maybe new new business item, uh, yep. section eight, number 10. Yep. Correct. Okay. And for deletions, just to cause more confusion to the agenda, mm -hmm. we are uh, deleting the request for direction, community engagement for strategic plan under uh, new business eight. It's uh, currently number nine. Okay. And FOIP section, Item number one under closed session, uh, section 21 disclosure harmful to intergovernmental relations is being deleted from the agenda. Okay, any others? That's all I have. <laughs> um, okay, um, any, uh, uh, Willette, did you get all that? Yes. Great. Okay. Would someone like to move the acceptance of the um, agenda as amended? I'll move the amended agenda. Thank you, Mr. Scammerhorn. All those in favor? It is carried. Thank you. Okay. Then we have, um, and I'll make a, a point about the agenda. We do have a couple of items that are either time limited or need to happen at a specific um, time. So things will happen, but they might get moved around slightly. 
So the next item, item three, the adoption of the um, minutes. You have the January 10th regular council meeting minutes in front of you. Has anyone noticed anything that should be um, changed? And if not, would someone move the acceptance of those minutes? I'll move that. Uh, okay, Councillor Shannon, thank you. All those in favor? Great, it is carried. Thank you. Do we have any public hearings? None, Your Worship. Great. Okay, we're now on to presentations, and we have um, the ACO Gas fr Franchise presentation with um, Adam Chambers, who's the manager of natural gas distribution in the Grand Prairie uh, region. So, Mr. Chambers, we're ready for you. I don't know, are you sharing screen or anything like that? Yes? Yeah, that, that works great. I'll, I'll, um, I'll click the buttons now and, and uh, hopefully that works. Great. Maybe <clears throat> while Adam does that, I'll just introduce myself. I'm here as well, Shane Ellis. I'm the vice president of, of the operations for um, ATCO and happy to be here to support Adam and, and the town. Welcome. All right, thanks, Shane. Uh, so did, did my presentation, is it now displayed on everyone's screens? Yes. Perfect. All right, yes, well, thanks for the introduction and, uh, and good evening, everyone. Uh, so we, we've got some important business to discuss here tonight, and that's uh, the franchise agreement uh, between the town of Peace River and ATCO Gas. Now, this agreement actually expired in September of 2021, and um, but that's okay. We'll get into that in a bit. But uh, of course, with with some of the changes that happened late in the year, uh, you know, wanted to get here a bit sooner than this, but that that's okay. We're, we're here now, and um, and looking forward to the opportunity to present. Uh, this really does serve as the kickoff this presentation for our our franchise renewals. And, uh, and that's exciting. So yes, both Shane and I are both excited to, to be here with you tonight. And I really wanna leave, leave everyone here with, with three kind of key items tonight from our presentation. And the first off is just a, you know, a bit more of a complete understanding of what exactly this franchise agreement is and some of the terms that are inside of it. And, and of course, you know, recognizing the value of, of ATCO as, as a partner, we've been active in, in the town of Peace River for, for over 64 years. And, and think we bring a lot of, of value as a utility partner. And then, and then of course, lastly, you know, maybe the most important is just really an understanding of, of kind of what, what's required next to, to move this uh, you know, proposal for this franchise renewal forward, some of the next steps and some of the, the key decisions that are going to need to be made um, after Shane and I leave, leave you here today. Um, so the presentation, it's, it's uh, broken up as follows. We'll start with a, an agreement overview. Um, we'll go through some of the, the specifics of the key terms and conditions. Uh, also wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about ADCO's roadmap to decarbonization, which is a, you know, a very important thing looking forward here um, as the energy landscape changes a little bit. Um, of course, questions, um, questions at the end or questions throughout the presentation, uh, it, that's, that's okay. Um, I, I don't see a, a chat box here, so 
Uh, if anyone does have questions, I guess, you know, unmute yourself or raise your hand or however this works on Zoom. Shane and I are familiar with Microsoft Teams, so a bit out of our out of our comfort zone, but I'm sure we can figure it out. Yeah, there is a chat box. It's down there at the bottom, but we'll let you know if there is something. How's that? Okay, perfect. Sound, sounds great. And, uh, and of course, you know, next steps for the renewal. So I, I did um, kind of mention to, to Ruth that needed about, about 30 minutes to get through the presentation. Um, there's quite a bit of information here. I, I can definitely, you know, shorten it or, or we can spend as much time on it as, as everyone here would, would like to today. So, um, but yeah, the, the, the goal right now is 20 to 30 minutes. So does that, does that still work? Yes, I think so. Okay. So, okay. All right. So what, what is the, the franchise agreement? What is it? Um, so it's, it's really a, a two-way agreement. You know, we, we both sign it, uh, town as well, as well as ATCO. So it, it really out, outlines sort of the expectations and the commitments that we both make to each other um, over the next term of this agreement. And, you know, the, the municipality grants ATCO certain rights uh, to provide natural gas distribution service to our uh, consumers and customers within the town of Peace River. And then we will also, in, you know, um, outline how we will do this, uh, the services we provide, and, and uh, you know, the guarantees that we make on providing um, service to, to the community. Now, serving the town of Peace River, I've, I've mentioned before, we've, we've been here for a little over 64 years. So we, we started serving the town in 1958, and we have an agency office located um, in town, right, right across from Atco Electric, and uh, and yeah, so we've got we've got um, some some staff that call Peace River home, and uh, we've also got about a uh, little under three thousand customers that we provide service to um, in in the town of Peace River. So I mentioned uh, I mentioned previously um, our previous agreement was an eleven year agreement. And that uh, expired in 2021. So uh, it is definitely time to, to get that renewed. And, uh, but one, one thing that should, uh, you know, this came up late with, with Chris there last year was, was concern on operating on an expired agreement. And rest assured, nothing, nothing changes um, when, that, when that agreement expires. All the terms and conditions and the guarantees um, are, still remain in effect. And that either happens until you know the agreement is renewed or or terminated, um, but uh, yeah, no no concerns on that expiry as long as we're working together towards a renewal. So the franchise agreement template itself uh, was uh, is a template that was developed in two thousand and three uh, by the Alberta Urban Municipality Association, and now that was updated a little little under ten years ago. Um, in 2015, and some new clauses were added for that agreement to really stay current. Um, but you know, despite the fact that it's called a template, it, it really is a wholesome agreement, and it's it, it's fairly rigid in in the terms and conditions that are set forth in that. Um, there are a few things. There are about, there's about three things that I'll I'll highlight today that are are points of consideration um, for for the renewed agreement. But it it really is a wholesome full agreement. So there, there's a, about seven key components to the agreement, and I listed them here in order that I plan on going through them today. Um, so 
the term and the privileges that both ATCO and Peace River have. Uh, the franchise fees and, and the taxation um, is the second item that we need to talk about that, that requires um, you know, confirmation or decision after the presentation and after Shane and I leave. Uh, the services that are provided by ATCO, uh, our commitments and expectations, and sale of the distribution system uh, is, is an important point to discuss. And then the most miscellaneous clauses and some of the new clauses, um, we can get into those as well uh, as questions and time permits. So the agreement term, um, this template is, is set up to have a minimum 10-year agreement. I've mentioned that the, the previous agreement we had was an 11-year agreement, so that is the minimum. Uh, the maximum can go up to 20 years, and we do have some customers that, or sorry, some towns that, that do elect for the 20-year term. So it's, it's somewhere between, between those two numbers. So that, that really will be one, one of the three decisions that, that needs to be made is, is settling on, on the term of the agreement. Now, now 10 is by, by far the most um, common term, um, but uh, wanted, just definitely wanted to lay it out there that we can, can go longer um, if, if town and council uh, have a desire to. Um, and I've already covered this second bullet point here where, where we can continue on in expiry after, after the agreement has lapsed. So what exactly does the grant of this franchise mean for ATCO? Well, what it means is that ATCO was given the exclusive rights to install our distribution pipe infrastructure in the municipal held rights of ways and roadways um, for the sole purpose of delivering gas to our customers. And now in doing that, the municipality will also commit not to give anyone else these, these, uh, these same rights. Um, so we are, we are the exclusive provider of natural gas uh, to, to the town with this agreement. Now with this, ADCO's agreement is that we bear the full responsibility for that distribution system and ensuring that that all the services that are delivered within the municipality um, are in accordance with our delivery tariffs and our terms and conditions. So the, the second, I guess, key, key item for discussion or, or to highlight is uh, that of the franchise fee and municipal taxes. So uh, within this agreement, there, there is obviously uh, a mechanism in place for franchise fees to be collected um, from the customers and passed through to the town. Now, uh, this agreement, when you go through the agreement, you're given an opportunity to adjust that percentage. Now that, you know, if, if we recall, that just did happen in January. So the town of Peace River's franchise uh, fee was raised to 32% from 29. Um, but uh, so typically we do that, we, offer that every year as an option to adjust the franchise fees, um, but did want to highlight that again with the renewal of a new franchise that that window does open once once more, um, you know, off of the, the calendar year to adjust the franchise fee should so the town decide to. Now the, the cap that's that's outlined by the Utilities Commission on this is 35%. Um, so Again, it was raised to 32 and, and the cap is 35. And then also um, the point of municipal taxes. Now it should also be 
brought up that Peace River has previously elected in the previous agreement to collect franchise fees in lieu of the municipal taxes. So again, that's something to, to consider. Um, but once again, you know, whether, whether it's the franchise fees or, or the municipal taxes, uh, these are passed through costs. They're collected from the residents on their bills and then they are, they are passed through to, to the town on a monthly basis um, through, through that franchise fee mechanism. So the core and the, and the extra services that ATCO can provide. So um, we've got, obviously we've got boots on the ground in, in Peace River. We've got um, some staff up there that, that are responding to our numerous um, operations and maintenance requirements. Um, but there are also many other uh, core services that, that ATCO provides. And, and I did attach a document um, to, I, I sent that to Ruth there last, last week. Hopefully it's made it to you. Um, if not, we can follow up later on, but uh, there, there's quite a, quite a number of things that we do in there, whether that be through engineering or billing or meter reading, um, environmental uh, codes, acts, regulations, standards. There's, there's quite a few things that, that we do kind of behind, behind the scenes as, as required to make sure that we can in, continue to deliver safe and reliable natural gas to all of our customers. Um, there, there's also a point out there, there is a, oh, so, so let me back up a bit. So also in the agreement, uh, these core services are laid out in, in Schedule A. Um, some of the extra services, there's a Schedule B that aren't, aren't really, uh, of course, um, the, all that common, but there are some opportunities to, to use ATCO to bring forward some, some other services and we can talk about that if there's a desire. I see, I see a question in the chat box. Yeah, Adam, I was just wondering, uh, going back a slide there, what was the rationale between accepting franchise fees versus collecting taxes? I, I'm not sure exactly on, on the history of when the decision was first made, but it's, so it's, so some communities do both, uh, where they collect a franchise fee as well as a linear tax, or some just collect the franchise fee um, in lieu of the municipal tax. So it's, again, it's really, it's, it's the town's decision to make on, on how they want to split this one up. Um, I guess the important point to, to mention is that, again, they, they are passed through costs um, from, from the customer to the town. So we can do just franchise fee or franchise fee and a linear tax. Um, it really, it's, it's, up, it's up to, to, the, to the town to decide how they want to handle that one. Does that answer your question, Mark? Kind of somewhat, I was just wondering why the rationale, but the way I'm kind of reading it is through the franchise fee, you guys pay us monthly, whereas the tax we'd probably collect once a year. Is that correct? Uh, no, well, it's, it's the, so the taxes change, they, they get updated every year, but they still get paid out monthly. So from a cash flow perspective, I'm, I don't know, Shane, if you have any idea on, on, the, on the cash flow portion of it, but my understanding is that that there's just one check that goes from, from ATCO to the town and it would collect either the franchise fee and the linear tax or just the franchise fees. 
Yeah, I think, <clears throat> Mark, I think you are right that the taxes are paid once a year. They're collected monthly from customers. But again, if you choose to have taxes collected, you would still be able to collect a franchise fee and still have that monthly um, um, money coming from, from ATCO. So some communities have decided that since it's one rate payer, it's only collected from residents of your community, that they charge a franchise fee and take a portion of that franchise fee to pay for the taxes. And other communities um, decide on both. And, and it was just flexibility allotted in the agreement a lot of communities have switched over the years and, and, and do have both. That maximum that Adam gave, the 35%, um, that doesn't count franchise fees, or sorry, that, that doesn't count uh, linear taxes. So you can have a franchise fee of 35% and in addition collect uh, the, the linear taxes. So you did mention that it was a flow through to the customer who would be paying whatever combination of those two things, right? Yeah, so uh, maybe administration, when they give us a, a briefing note for decision later, um, can respond to that uh, question from the town viewpoint, I guess. Thanks. Now, so the, the franchise fee and the and the taxation, they're, they're, it's public information and it's listed on the AUC webpage. I did, um, I do have a supplemental slide I can, I can zip to, I'd have to change which, which screens I was sharing so I can, I can share that at the end, but I do have an, an updated one based on the adjustment to Peace River's franchise fee, um, sort of in the Grand Prairie region, uh, where where they sit relative to other communities in in the vicinity, and that that might um, be useful. But yeah, we can we can park that till till the end. Thanks for the discussion there. Uh, Okay, yeah, so construction and, and maintenance of our system. So of, of course we've got, you know, our, our operations and maintenance um, tasks that we, that we, that we uh, undertake on our system. There, there's also, of course, a capital component as well. And I did a bit of research prior to the meeting here. And on, on average, um, we, we, um, we spend about $400,000 on capital improvements uh, in the town of Peace River annually. So that, that's our, our capital investment in the town. That goes up and down. There's, there's a couple of projects on the short-term horizon that bump it up to about $1.5 million for a couple of years. But you know, it's, it's definitely worth noting that what that capital investment uh, that is required and that is completely um, shouldered by, by ATCO uh, for, for the town. Um, now, of, of course, we do this work in, in consultation with, with the town to make sure that municipal approvals are granted. Um, our agreement outlines this process as well as restoration, how we, how we repair the ground after we dig in our lines, um, and also how we work with the other utilities. And you know, the, the goal here, I think, you know, we all wanna work together on, on our capital upgrades, especially when we're ripping up the ground and ripping up streets so that we're all coordinated. And, and that's definitely an, an important thing to us because we, we don't wanna see, of course, those roads get ripped up year in, year out um, to, to in the same area to, for different utilities and, and whatnot to be doing work. So we, you know, coordinating also, you know, of course it keeps costs down as, as well. So that's an important thing for us to keep our eyes on. Another key item uh, is the cost of relocation. So if, if there are, 
city infrastructure projects that require gas lines to be moved. Uh, again, this is one of the benefits of signing the franchise agreement that ADCO will pay to relocate its, its facilities at our cost, um, provided that sufficient notice is given. So this is generally understood as one year's notice um, and, uh, and that the town of course provides a suitable place for us to put, to put our lines that are out of the way. So again, a bit of a, a bit of cost avoidance there for, for the town in completing their um, civil and their infrastructure projects and, and that uh, you know, we will bear the cost of, of those um, often expensive relocations. And then expanding. So another benefit of, of the franchise agreement is um, ATCA will extend our distribution mains uh, to any new customers um, at, at no cost to the municipality or the customer, provided that uh, that, that person has municipally uh, provided uh, water and sewer to their, to their premises. So of course, this is within the city boundary or the town boundary, um, as long as they have water and sewer. We will, we will bring them gas uh, at, at our cost. There, of course, will still be a small fee to, to get the service line run into the property, but all the offsite work is, is ADCO's responsibility. Um, and then kind of the, the last of three key terms is, is annexation. So right now the franchise template is set up at 25% annexation as a trigger point. Um, so if sometimes you'll, you'll see towns with large annexation plans, and if the annexation is larger than 25%, on, on a la land area standpoint, then we end up into the situation where we might end up with a split franchise, which is a bit of an administrative dilemma. So I, I don't know, is there any annexations on, on the horizon? And, and uh, if, if there are, and if they're going to be larger than the 25%, then that might be something that we consider. Otherwise the, you know, the template at 25% sort of stands as, as, um, as what gets carried forward in the new term. Now, another, another term in, in the agreement is the sale of our distribution system. So uh, at the expiry of, of the term, uh, there is a opportunity for the town to purchase the distribution system from, from ATCO. And in that supplementary um, PDF document, I also provided a, a bit of a rundown on what, what that cost would be to the municipality if they should so choose that. Um, we are not, not uh, interested in selling, so that, that um, I guess, make that, make that clear. We want to be here in, in Peace River, and it's a place that we call home, and we've been here for a long time, and, and we really want to keep that going. But uh, nevertheless, it's, it's definitely something um, uh, that, that is worth highlighting in the agreement. Now, kind of part and parcel to that is the right of first refusal. So if, if somebody else comes and makes ATCO an offer to purchase uh, the assets in the town of Peace River only, uh, then the town of Peace River would also have the right to purchase the assets on the exact same terms of, of that third party that would, that would come in and, and try to um, buy our system. So again, I, pretty rare that this happens, but uh, nevertheless, it's uh, I think an important term to, to go over in, in brief detail. Um, here, and then, and then I guess the last point: if the municipality, you know, exercises its right to purchase and then to sell it within five years, um, ATCO has the right of first refusal again to purchase to purchase those assets back. So, um, 
yeah, I wanted to get into a little bit of some of this low carbon, um, you know, energy of the future sort of sort of concepts. Uh, kind of a bit of a bit of a divergence from the from the franchise presentation. I got a couple of slides on it, uh, but any any questions on anything that I presented up up to this point on on the terms or conditions? Um, no, all right. Well, this is this is the exciting stuff. So uh, this is really what what uh, you know what what I think is interesting, and maybe what you'll take away from the presentation is sort of some of the work that that ATCA was doing right now. You know, in in the in the news, like there there's a lot of of discussion in the past year and a bit on 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 Alberta's transition to um, lower carbon emitting fuels. You know, ATCA is no exception to that. We made an announcement, uh, I believe, um, last week on our on our target to 2050 to to get to a zero zero emission state. And uh, this slide here kind of speaks to some of the some of the work that ATCA is doing on on the R and D side and on the policy side to really drive down our, our carbon footprint of of natural gas. And uh, I think the two most important ones are are hydrogen and renewable natural gas. So um, a lot of a lot of discussion in in the region lately about about hydrogen and hydrogen blending is is something that ADCO is pursuing right now. Um, actually, to the point where we've got a, a you know a pilot project under development in the Fort Saskatchewan area where we're going to be blending some hydrogen right in with the natural gas that goes straight to our customers' furnaces and hot water tanks and stoves. Um, and I think that. Uh, so if, if you do if you do that, does the customer have to do anything to their appliances to, I don't know, make them work better or something? No, not up not up to twenty percent. So we we can blend five to twenty percent of hydrogen um, with no issues at all. Uh, it burns just just the same, no adjustments to appliances, and that that's kind of where where phase one of this build out is is is. Bringing hydrogen into the gas stream and and getting it um, get getting mixed in at that five to twenty percent range. Now you start to get higher than that twenty percent range, and you know some appliances can run right up to hundred percent. But you have to start you start to see some adjustment on inside customers' homes to the appliances um, that that they're using. Um, so, but, uh, so if you go to the twenty percent or so. Um, Will would the customer notice any more? I guess total energy usage for compared from the the new mix to the just the gas mix. No, not. I mean, the way the way we work with our natural gas system in in Alberta is is based on energy. We get built on energy of our gas. So the energy, of course, it's we've we've got already in place methods to, to change how that energy billing component works but no there would be no no difference on um on the i guess having having to pay more because they're using a, a you know a higher volume like it, that that's corrected so of course there's going to be those carbon taxes that are coming in so this will help to offset that so you know it, it's um getting getting into you know into the into the weeds and that's still one piece that we're that we're waiting on policy to to help explain how this is going to work but um 
we understand that this is, you know, the future is, is a world where, where our customers are, are going to want, uh, you know, lower carbon uh, emitting fuels. It is a great question, though, because uh, hydrogen is less dense energy, and so customers will be using more volume. But uh, but we don't bill <coughs> we don't bill customers by volume. <coughs> Sorry, I'm getting over an illness. <coughs> we bill, we build them by energy already, so they build they build um, build them in gigajoules. No, yeah, great great question. Thank thanks thanks, Lane. Um, so yeah, hydrogen is is a is a big a big piece of the future, and uh, you know a lot a lot of work on on policy to 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 change you know acts and codes, and 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 that's you know one of again one of the reasons why I think we're a valuable partner is we're at the the forefront of these talks right now with our provincial government, and we're we're working hard with them to to make uh, you know hydrogen a, a viable energy source for for the future. So. The other one that's kind of interesting to bring up is renewable natural gas. This is something that we've started doing lately as well. So biogas is what you might have also heard to it as. So I know in down in, in the city of Lethbridge, they they started injecting um, biogas into the natural gas distribution system as well. And uh, that project is underway. We've also got a couple of projects through one of our one of our partner companies uh, to to create um, some renewable natural gas from some feedstock material kind of in the in the Vegarville uh, area. So um, again, some exciting developments to our, our natural gas world for sure. Kind of would like to let end off on, on a bit of a safety piece here. So of course, you know, we're in the community where safety is a core value to us, you know, 24, 24 seven, we're there answering carbon monoxide calls, dealing with gas emergencies. Uh, responding to service calls at our customers' homes, uh, inspecting our system. Um, I think it's, you know, very important uh, component of our of our business, and uh, and and that's why Albertans count on Atco. Um, you know, we've been in Peace River for 60, 60 years or so, uh, but we've been at this for over a hundred years, uh, delivering natural gas to to the province. We've got about one point three million customers, and uh, and I think. You know that that really is important to know that we've got uh, a lot of resources available. Whether that be, you know, we see this in emergency response through floods and wildfires, we're we're able to to move a lot of staff and resources to help out our communities uh, that that need our assistance. This has happened, you know, in Slave Lake and recently in Fort McMurray and even the Calgary floods. That was, you know, a proud moment for Atco was our ability to to respond to those natural disasters and something that you can count on us for as well, should the need arise. Um, I think I'm pretty close to my 30 minute mark here. So uh, any, any other questions? Um, did we wanna see that extra slide on the fees and percentages or should I send it uh, as supplemental? Maybe send it supplemental because we have seen one, uh, one and it could be that one, I'm not quite sure. Okay. But a comparison kind of thing is what we saw. There's also an open invitation. <clears throat> if you ever want any more information on hydrogen or energy, you know, Adam and I and our colleagues can talk for hours, which we won't do in your council meeting. <laughs> if you ever want uh, some more info, you know, something we're passionate about, we, we deliver energy. 
we believe uh, we're part of the mix in the future and happy to have uh, more discussions on it. Thank you. Hey, Councillors, any further questions? Well, th thank you, Adam and, and Shane. That was, uh, I think, quite informative and a, a good review of our um, a partnership, I guess. So I, I would expect that admin will uh, bring council a briefing note uh, in the next uh, bit of time and get back to you as soon as possible. So thanks again. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Okay. So we go from uh, ATCO to our next uh, topic, which is um, presentation on strategic steps, the council strategic plan with Ian McCormick. And I think I saw I am here, Your Worship. <laughs> oh, there you be. I, I'm looking all over the screen. There you be. <laughs> um, so welcome, Ian, and um, we'll let you do your presentation, please. Sure. Thank you very much, Your Worship, uh, members of council. Uh, it's nice to see you again. I uh, haven't, haven't been up in Peace River for, for quite a while, so thank you. I, my colleague, uh, I was supposed to have a colleague with me this evening. Um, Pam Malik, who is who is helping out with the will be helping out with the session. Fortunately, she too is a little under the weather. It seems like it's going around these days at the moment. Uh, I recognize that you have a council package that's well over a hundred pages. Uh, I have contributed to that and uh, would also so therefore I will go through the material that I know you already have fairly quickly. And should you have questions about it, I'm happy to respond at the time or at the end of it as well. I have been in regular contact with both your CAO and your uh, acting CAO as well on a couple of different topics too. So happy to help out with that. So with that in mind, Your Worship, I'm gonna share my screen and work my way through, uh, through this presentation here, which uh, I understand, which I know in your council package is there as well. So when I, very quickly, and I know that you've all been through an election very recently, so you understand that the work of council First of all, is to keep the accountability of administration there. If nobody lived within the confines of Peace River, there'd be no need for council, there'd be no need for administration, and therefore no need for a strategic plan. So your primary job then is to keep council, sorry, just one of your primary jobs is to keep administration accountable. You have really three levers that you can act with. You've got your bylaws, you've got your policies, and you've got your budget. And those are the things that council, if it sticks to governance, is going to stick, is going to stay with. And then anything else that you've got to do by the virtue of the laws of the country or the province and your own bylaws as well. So when you come into office as of October of last year, there are lots of things that you wanted to carry forward or likely wanted to carry forward from a previous council. So though you could have, you can't bind a future council, of course. But quite prudently, there are the things that you want to carry forward, some of which would be in your strategic plan. You also have to deal with things that are handed to you from another order of government. Now, for those of you who are on the last council, you know things like cannabis legalization came up. You probably didn't have it on your agenda, but you had to deal with it anyway. The third piece is things around, around crisis management. The big one, of course, for all of us has been COVID, of course. You, Nobody ran in 2017 on a mandate to have to deal with a global pandemic. And then, and kind of only then after that, 
you get to deal with the things that were on your own platforms when you ran for office or in the strategic plan that you either have inherited from a previous council or the one that you create you are going to create for yourselves as well. So this is the stuff you deal with. Really, and you probably know this, the council is ultimately accountable for figuring out what it wants to do. And Your Worship, when you talked last on the last presentation, you made a comment about detail going off to administration, and that's the proper place for it to be. You want to stay out of the weeds. It's up to administration then to figure out how to get the things that council wants to get done, done, and to keep that conversation elevated in the governance realm. So you're responsible for vision, for mission, for values, for developing governance policy, and then it's a handoff to the administration. So that kind of sets the context. And as such, you see a cascading alignment between the vision for the town's success, what Peace River looks like, say, a generation from now, and then you create a strategic plan that helps you get from here to there. At that point, there's the handoff to administration, and they will have things like an operational plan or an asset management plan or any of these other sorts of things. And ultimately, they're providing something to the people, the businesses, the organizations of Peace River. And there's a feedback loop built in there as well. So when you're starting to think about strategic planning, there is that saying about uh, the Cheshire, what the Cheshire Cat said to Alice, that if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. The idea behind strategic planning then is exactly the opposite. It's to choose the path that you where you want to go. Now you have a strategic plan. The previous council created a 2018 to 2021 plan. They were, good, they were good enough then to push this forward so that the new council, when you came into office, had to deal with budget, first of all, of course, and you were drinking from a fire hose. Now you're starting to recoil a little bit and think about what you want to do by the end of 2025, say, at the time when the next council takes over. It's maybe a little early to think about that. So you own this, some of which will be bring forward from last time, and some of which will be brand new. But specifically, what is it that makes Peace River unique? Why do people move there? Why do people stay there? And how do you provide for those? So what you do now will benefit future generations. So you, that's the idea again behind strategy. You wanna stay out of the day-to-day, -day, you wanna stay out of the operational, and you wanna stay out of the tactical. You're building a legacy for future generations, which some of you will see and some of you may not see. And this needs to cascade. This is an item uh, out of my first book. I've, I've written a couple of books. The first one is called Who's Driving the Greater and Other Governance Questions. And this speaks to how you determine what it is that makes your town unique. You have expressed what your vision of success is for Peace River and everything goes from that. Who you are is your vision, your mission and your values. And we'll certainly have a look at that. How you express that is through goals and strategies and then performance measures. So goals is what's different four years from now than it is right now. And I pick four years because it's a council term. Strategies are how do you do that stuff? And the measures is how you know when, when success has happened. All of these things should be in a prudent strategic plan and you've got that. I've already made a bit of a reference to this about vision being success and the mission being how you get there. And then you often develop a series of values, three, four, five, six values, six words, which are the lens or the filter that you, through which you make decisions. So looking at all these three pieces together, 
this is what makes Peace River different than Spirit River or Pay River or some other place. So this is what makes you unique and this is how you express it to the people who live there. As you develop a strategic plan, you pass off the, the outcomes that you're looking for to administration. In 2019, you looked at governance, how the organization is run. You looked at the macro and the micro economy. What is the engine that keeps Peace River going? You looked at the environment, which is the physical environment, as well as things like infrastructure, which go on or under the environment. And then you talked a bit about the cultural and social aspects of how people interact with one another within the, within the town and within the region. Then you think about performance measures, which I've already mentioned. So you end up with a big bucket of stuff to do over the course of a term. And in your last strategic plan, you may remember that you actually had assigned individuals and you had said, uh, you picked a year, like a, an annual, when something was due. So what that does is it gives administration a fighting chance of working on what's important and what's timely now, recognizing that what's important and timely next year is gonna be different probably because you're gonna get some stuff done. You're also gonna get some other things handed to you and you're gonna to have, to have to adapt to a changing environment too. So you will agree on all of these sorts of things, my hope is. So you've got a vision for yourself. Success you have said is that Peace River is a community of choice. I might challenge that a little bit and say, well, what does that mean? And we can certainly have a conversation about that as we go a little bit further along. But you said you want to be that community of choice. And how you get from here to there is you said you want to provide excellent, efficient and effective delivery of services for the well-being of the community. And I love the term well-being because that to me gets to that kernel of why people have chosen to make Peace River home. You've got your success in your vision. You've got how we're gonna get from here to there in your mission. And you, of course, then as, as this council, which is different from last council, we'll have a look at that and see if it still resonates with you. And if it does, great. And if it doesn't, we'll have a look at that too. When rather than looking up and down the, the organization, so rather than looking at public works or legislative services or transportation, we look across. We say, what do you want to do as a town, as a council in terms of governance? How do you wanna show, show your leadership to be sustainable, to give future generations the ability to choose their own future? You don't wanna close the door to them. You will look at the culture and social fabric of what it is that makes Peace River unique and how, those, how people work together. We put emergency services in here too. The third piece is around the economy, and that is how do you support the economy of today and how do you cultivate the economy of tomorrow? If there, is there going to be a difference? Particularly if the economy is heavily reliant on uh, non-renewable resources. And finally, I mentioned the environment a while ago about anything that happens on or under the land. So things like urban infrastructure here, housing mixes, affordable housing, parks and recreation and open space also show up. So from this, you will come up with, a, with an identification of a series of things that you wanna do or strategies or action items, and you'll come up with a series of goals that get you towards there. And then we'll also get towards identifying, narrowing the focus from that big bucket down to a smaller bucket to say, as we move from here to there, the top strategies the ones that are most important today and for the next year, say, the ones that you want to put some budget to for 2023 
are things that are going to help you achieve your vision. They're going to move you towards the achievement of those goals and that will provide flexibility, not only for administration and council today, but for the future as well. We also recognize that we're not looking at a list of one to 12, say, in terms of priorities, because public works and recreation can be working on something that's high priority at the same time because it uses different resources. So we will come up, we'll work with you to help you with that. The plan has to live. So not only do we create the plan in 2022, sorry, yeah, 2022, we're, we're scheduled for early March. Not only do we create the plan, but council needs to think about how we keep it alive. How often do you want to check in? Say, for example, you come up with a list of six high priorities for 23, 2023, or even 2022 for that matter. Let's have a look at those once a year, well, sorry, once a quarter or three times a year maybe, and see how well we're doing on advancing those. And then maybe this time next year, we have a look at the full plan and say, what do we wanna do for, in this case, it would be 2023 or 2024. So what do we want to bite off for that? And the last piece to this is celebrating success. If you have created a plan with measurements, and if you can start seeing that those measurements are being achieved, you can celebrate that success. The public sector is really good at beating itself with a stick. There's probably a rant and rave group in Peace River, I'm guessing, and they probably don't laud you for doing amazing work on their behalf. They're probably the ones who are saying, how come you didn't do something? This is the opportunity for the town to actually say that it has done something. So uh, with that, your worship, this, this really brings me to the end of the formal part of the presentation I wanted to, wanted to provide to you. I wanted it to be brief and just give you a bit of an overview in terms of how, how best to serve the community through the strategic plan. We will actually be engaging with you and your administrative colleagues as we get closer to the date of the sessions, getting some input from you in advance to find out what's important to you and get you thinking that way. And to ask similar questions of administration to say, what are the key priorities they see? What's next on their plate? Are there things with which council can help? And are there barriers that council can help remove? So with that in mind, uh, your worship, I'll turn it back to you and to any of your colleagues who may have questions on, on this topic. Thank you, Ian. So, uh, Council, as you've uh, gleaned, um, Ian was um, uh, hired to uh, basically um, maneuver us through developing our own strategic plan for our uh, 2020 or 2021 Council. So, he's referred to uh, March, and that's uh, uh, part of that discussion on March 11th and 12th. And um, Sooner or later, we will be having our or our strategic plan in front of us, and then we kind of keep checking back and seeing how we're doing and, and stuff like that. But um, councillors, do you have uh, questions of Ian? Don, yes, oh, sorry, who else would you expect to jump in? Um, <laughs> one of the things that um, I have difficulty with um, strategic planning is to an extent, and um, is that if you don't know what, if you don't have good information, you can't ask good questions. Right. I'll give you one example. How many businesses will be closing or planning on closing in the next 10 years? We have no idea. 
So to make a statement, we don't want to see businesses closing is really a useless statement because we don't know if it, A, it's a problem, how much of a problem it is, or uh, whether it's worth spending our time on. If it was only one business, it's probably not worth spending any time at all. If it was 20, it could be. Um, so as, as you're aware, and I mean, it's no secret, we had, um, there were three of us that were, um, there was a motion by council for us to get together. And one of the things that we determined is that we need some more specific data, or we feel strongly that we need more specific data to guide us in those decisions. Because without the data, we're basically making assumptions and saying, well, this is a problem or this isn't a problem by perception. And perception and data are two different things. I mean, people think that certain things work. They don't know until you get the numbers. That's why the scientific method has a hypothesis and you know, the experiment to verify, et cetera. But you need data. And I think for a long time, um, we've been operating under general terms. We don't want to have more empty storefronts downtown. Well, that's a kind of a platitude. It doesn't really tell you anything and it doesn't really guide you anywhere because what are you going to do if you get them? Um, what do we, I think I know the, um, the census is coming out, which is going to give us some real information on workforce and stuff. But I think, so how do we integrate and not wait till the strategic planning session? We need, I think we feel that we want that some of that information prior to that strategic planning session um, and, and again, I, I'm going to invite the other two people who uh, we were working with, Shelly and Brad, to step in that we feel that we need some of that data prior to that March session, rather than just the general goal of make business better, improve the community, um, you know, satisfy people with recreation, etc. I think you probably understand what I'm saying. Uh, Your Worship, through the Councillor, I do understand, and this conversation is not un unknown to me, of course. The, you've just gone through the biggest public engagement exercise that you are going to as an elected official through the fall of last year, through the, through the, through the election, of course. You probably have a pretty good idea of how it is. First of all, everybody have ever encountered on a competitive municipal council had, is running on a platform of change of some sort. They want the municipality to be better four years from now than it was at the time of the election. I think that's just a natural. So the economy is part of that. The governance is part of that. Recreation that you referenced, councillor, is part of that as well. When it comes to what you see in the strategic plan, and I certainly don't want to presuppose what might come out of that, things like economic resilience might be, or having a creative to, to create a resilient economy, I just made it up, might be something that comes out of the strategic plan in terms of a goal, the change we want to see over the next four years. And as part of that then, you may want to seek more additional information. By seeking the information in advance without a specific end in mind, it's a bit of a scattergun. You might be better at being more focused. You may also find, Councillor, that once the strategic planning session has happened, you can focus the, uh, the um, data request, if you like, in, in some other areas. For example, you made a reference, I think, to, to recreation. You might find that there's a desire to add a series of questions on some of the social or the cultural aspects of, of town life as well. When you create, do some of that, that type of deep engagement, you end up with a data point. If you do it repetitively, you end up with a trend analysis, of course. So the first, should, should council choose to, to go and do the, the broad and deep engagement, 
it's a, it's a really good insight snapshot on right now. Should the strategic plan say something like, hey, we ought to do a check-in every couple of years, and you set up a, a method by which you would do a deep engagement every two years, I just made a number of two years or whatever, you could then begin to see how, how, the, how the population is changing, how demands are changing, and how responses that the municipality has created may be having an effect on some of those things too. My, my caution with doing the deep engagement in advance you may be putting the cart before the horse uh, and that's not going to be a, a cheap thing to do and it will certainly be time consuming now all of that said uh, your worship it's completely within council's prerogative to decide what it wants to do yeah it's, and, and i guess i'll just say there's one more thing and i won't say anything more on this one except that the other the other approach of coming up with a, a more wide thing at the thing is like you your 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 comment about we want a more economically resilient community. Well, like who doesn't? <laughs> That's like saying I don't want war. How do we solve it? Well, without data, you don't solve it. So the 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 problem I see with having the the overall the overly broad goals and the overly broad statements is that they are to an extent, in my view. And it's just my opinion. They, they don't really have the ability to focus a solution. Oh, we, we recognized a problem. There's starving kids in Africa. Whoopee dink. That doesn't take a genius, but we need to know where they are, how they are, why they're starving, et cetera, before we can ever even approach it. But if you don't ask those questions first, you're not going to feed the starving kids in Africa. So I'll leave it at that. And that's just my point of this, my feeling now. Sure. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, other councillors? Yeah, we, we had mentioned uh, the other day that <clears throat> it might be worth our while to do the strategic planning situation over over time as opposed to, you know, kind of a one weekend thing. And and maybe during that first meeting, we, we start to raise some of the, you know, the questions that, that you know, Don is mentioning, you know, we, we, you know, we kind of boil those things down a little bit. And then that gives us time to, you know, collect data in between and, and, and finalize something for, for say another, you know, a follow-up session. Thank you. Any other comments? I think that makes sense. I think, I do believe that we need to do a deep dive into data, to data, sorry, but I also recognize that our time, time restraints are going to be quite sufficient. So I mean, uh, not sufficient. So I think um, I think that would be a good strategy. That, um, as Byron said, to you know, to start maybe start um, the strategic plan over a time um, while simultaneously doing some of the data collection as we see where it needs to be pinpointed or where it needs to be dialed down to. And I, I, I'll just, uh, Councillor Carr, go ahead. I, I believe in our last meeting that was kind of mentioned to Tanya and she said we could leave the strategic plan as a live document that can change and evolve over time. It doesn't have to be carved in stone, I believe as well. Am I correct, Tanya, that that, that was said? Sorry, searching for the button. Yeah, in terms of, um, as uh, Ian mentioned, being a live document, you can definitely feed into it and make some adjustments. 
I guess um, my, my thoughts are, yes, I love detail, but I also like to know kind of where we're going. So that whole conversation, I think, needs to happen about the, the big goals because um, it's kind of the yin and the yang. Uh, say we're talking about uh, economic development or something like that. Uh, maybe council has a big discussion and says that's beyond their purview. They can't do anything about it. So why do anything sort of thing? Or maybe they say, nope, it's the economic part is most important. We should ignore, um, I don't know, some, something else. So I think that conversation is important to have as well as the details. And what I'm hearing uh, here is that uh, sooner than later, we should come up with a plan because we don't want the plan at the end of our four-year term. We need it a little earlier on so that uh, admin can start implementing uh, whatever strategies they come up with that fit within our goals and so on. So I agree, it's a living document, changes happen. And maybe it's because data says some change should happen over from this year to next year, whatever. Uh, Councillor Good, do you have well, maybe we one? should um, talk about not necessarily tonight, but soon talk about scheduling a meeting between um, council and administration. Again, I don't want to wait till March because once if we sit back and do nothing, if council does nothing today except say we want a strategic plan and, and we walk away from it. And then in March, we're taken to a meeting and say, well, you're going to come up with a strategic plan. We could have done it tomorrow. Why are we waiting till March? Is something going to happen between now and March? What's going to happen between now and March? I think you know, it was so, the time, time constraints. Well, what's going to happen between now and March is nothing. Because again, we're looking at, you know, a month away or over a month now. Um, and nothing will have occurred except we planned a meeting in March. I mean, if we want to wait till March to do that, fine and dandy. If that's council's wish, that's fine. I'm just not so sure it's the best use of time. Yeah. And I think one thing we, we do have Ian to kind of lead us through the process and all that time calendar management is part of the issue, I think. But uh, Director Bell, did you have a comment? I, I was just going to ask Ian, he might want to also mention the preparation in terms of the process, um, because there are some pre-surveys that he does uh, engage, which he mentioned in some of his slides, which time-wise, as Councillor Good has mentioned, it, it wouldn't take that long to do, but it does take uh, an opportunity for everyone to think it through before attending um, the actual session, what they're looking for out of the this process. Thank you, Your Worship. Your acting CEO is correct. We actually we have started using two different pre-session surveys. One is for everybody who all the participants, and it's questions similar to uh, what if what did you hear on the on the campaign trail? Kind of what did you want to see done? What do you think of the highest priorities? How well do you think the previous plan is being done? We even ask questions like we've been in COVID for two years. Is there anything you want to keep as hopefully we come out of COVID? So those sort of things. Then we also ask questions of your management team specifically around their priorities, because one of the things I have found doing this over the years is it's not that common for a mayor to want to cut a ribbon on a sewer system. 
But if you don't do that, if you don't look after that deep infrastructure, it's really hard to get other things done too, which is one of the reasons we ask administration for some of their priority items as well. And so we will get to that a little bit, not to the level of depth that Councillor Good is probably referencing, more so again, keeping in the realm of governance about how is Peace River different a generation from now than it is right now. So those, those would be done. And then a couple of comments too on timing. One is there we're literally doing probably a dozen strategic plans over the next three months. So some of it was probably to do with some of our own scheduling. We've just wrapped up one this last week in Prince George and we're just finishing one up in Prince Albert. So it's, there's, a, there's a lot of just the time of year. The other piece is you may, if you're, up, if you're acting on a, this is probably gonna have an impact, greatest impact on the 2023 budget because it's obviously January to December. So the, the timing isn't quite as critical some of the pieces can get underway certainly in 2022, but if there are significant financial implications, it may have to wait. Some of this may have to wait until 2023. Thank you, Worship. Okay, well, thank you. And um, thank you for uh, all your, your startup works and uh, we'll be uh, uh, talking apparently uh, in the near future. Thank you, Your Worship. The, you'll notice the last slide in my presentation that you've got in your package has my contact information on it. You're more than welcome if you've got questions that you think about later to, to contact me and ask. Okay. Okay, thank you. So counselors, if you've got questions about data collection or, or things like that, may, maybe have a direct conversation with Ian and um, see what can happen from there. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you all, enjoy the rest of your meeting. Have a good evening. Thank you very much. Okay, um, 6.30 is the uh, time that we have to have a particular session. So I think I'm going to skip around a bit. And um, I see Michael uh, Binzek is still with us. And maybe we will go into new business uh, and the first item so that he has done his portion of the evening if he wishes. Um, so new business item one is request for a decision with respect to bylaw 1786, the parking of buses. And Thank you, Your Worship. Carry on, thanks. Yeah, so um, the request for decision is in regards to, uh, yeah, buses parking and commercial vehicles in uh, residential areas. So requests have been received for parking exemptions under section 201 of bylaw 1746, the traffic and streets bylaw. Uh, the traffic and streets bylaw specifies that no person shall park any vehicle or trailer which singly or together exceeds uh, to six meters in overall length upon any highway in a residential area that's in reference to section 403 sub 3. Um, specifically the requests um, the first request that we received um, was the the individual wanted to uh, uh, the town to permit um, him to park his school bus on the street at or near his residence um, the intent for this would be to ease uh, comfort in access to and the operations of the bus, uh, for example, pre-trip inspections, uh, distance to vehicle, etc. Um, the second request that we received specifically in regards to commercial vehicles and school buses was uh, for the bylaw to allow the parking of commercial vehicles of lengths uh, up to 13 and 15 meters on residential streets uh, between the hours of 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. Um, the neighborhood impacts that this would have, um, obviously it could lead to congestion with other road traffic having to negotiate around the vehicle. 
um, possibly forcing other road users uh, to cross the center line and in limited visibility situations uh, could potentially lead to more vehicle collisions. Um, it could limit sight lines and visibilities for other road users and pedestrians. Um, overall appearance of large uh, commercial type vehicles in residential areas may be unsightly as well. Um, school buses typically range in lengths from seven or seven to 14 meters and therefore exceed the limits in sections 403 sub three and 403 sub five of the traffic and streets bylaw. Commercial vehicles in excess of three tons gross weight are not permitted to park on a street in a residential area as per section uh, 403 subsection four. Um, the bylaw does not give any option to provide exemptions on a vehicle by vehicle basis. Although council could limit the exemption to a particular season, time of day or vehicle size, um, the granting of an exemption could set a precedent uh, and may lead to the submission of, uh, of other exemptions for commercial vehicles and or oversized limits to park in residential neighborhoods. Uh, this could leave council in the position of having to manage very various vehicle classes and distinguishing between the needs of various industries. Um, a review of other jurisdictions indicated that it is typical to limit the size and weight of vehicles within residential areas. Uh, in this respect, the town's restrictions on longer vehicles that limit or obstruct drivers um, ability to see is consistent with other uh, legislation. Um, peace officers were not able to find any exemptions for vehicles of this type uh, in jurisdictions that are similar in size and feel it is reasonable that their presence uh, interferes with motorists in residential areas. Um, so for our options, we have option one um, would be that council approves the application and provides for an exemption permitting the parking of school buses in residential areas. Um, the advantages of this would be uh, it could potentially improve school bus drivers comfort and ease when operating the buses. Um, disadvantages were large vehicles may obstruct traffic and sight lines, um, may provide a precedent for other exemptions, like I mentioned above. Um, may create congestions and further nuisance to other users of residential streets. Um, there are no known financial implications of this option. Um, option two, uh, that council declines the request for exemptions to permit parking of school buses and other commercial vehicles in residential areas. Um, advantages of this would be eliminates concerns around traffic safety and it upholds the current traffic and streets bylaw. Um, disadvantages would be increases times for school bus drivers and other operators to get access to their vehicles. Um, there were no uh, financial implications with that option as well. Um, option three um, would be that council provides direction to administration on amendments to the traffic and streets bylaw to allow for certain exemptions for parking of school buses and other commercial vehicles in residential areas. Um, advantages of this would be uh, it could potentially provide some assistance to vehicle operators in their role. Um, disadvantages may cause large vehicles to obstruct traffic and sight lines, uh, may provide a precedent uh, for other exemptions, um, may create congestions and further issues to other users of residential streets. Um, no known financial implications with that option either. So the um, Administration recommends that council declines this request for exemptions to permit parking of school buses and other commercial vehicles in residential areas. So thank you. your worship, uh, just to kind of add two more points on points that uh, Michael's brought up uh, tonight are around road maintenance and for garbage collection. You know, uh, school buses are allowed to park on some streets that may prohibit 
those garbage collection vehicles or uh, graders and snow plows to actually uh, carry on their work on those streets. Thank you. Um, councillors, do you have uh, questions, comments? Uh, Councillor Ford and then Councillor Scammerhorn. Well, just out of uh, my driving around, I've seen school buses uh, in the residential neighborhoods. However, uh, they park them in their own driveways and then possibly uh, or they'll take their personal vehicle and park that on the street. But when it comes to weight restrictions, uh, my question would be, um, and I've, I've seen this, I know it's happening. So for instance, a triaxle body job, which is quite, quite a heavy truck, like let's look for instance at a triaxle uh, back truck. Um, I've seen them on the residential streets, but they're parking in their driveway. Is, does that weight restriction have anything to do with the residential roadway? Uh, for especially for our local roads, uh, which do have a different rating than our, you know, our primary and arterial routes that go through town, it could have an effect depending upon what the weight class of the vehicle is. Uh, like if we're a fully loaded water truck, evidently, yes, that's going to have an effect over time on those local roads or a hydrovac that is, you know, full and the guy didn't want to empty it that particular night and was parking or and kind of went in and out over time will have an effect on that pavement. Okay, the information I have them, I'll forward that on to uh, uh, Acting CEO uh, Bell and uh, Chief Harris. Thank you, Deputy Mayor Scammerhorn. Yeah, like, so So currently, if let's say I hire someone to trim my trees, they're, they're fine, they can bring their vehicle with their grind, uh, um, why can't it, it's not the stump grinder. Why can't I think of it? It's where you dispose of all the bodies, right? You know, your, uh, all your shredder. Yeah, your chipper. You know, they, 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 they can, they can, not really. They can, they can park in the street while they're doing their work for the day. And that's no big deal. Like if I've got my trailer hooked up to my vehicles, once it's hooked up, I can be there for, you know, 24 hours or whatever it is while I'm loading or unloading, you know, that kind of thing. Right. So, um, where does the uh if the bus is only ever parked for you know six and a half hours a day on the street but it's never ever staying there that that then becomes a problem because it's happening more than one day in a row i just just to clear that up yeah and i think the, the thing that comes into play there is one you're prohibiting other vehicles from uh, accessing those same spots you know, reducing sight lines around the vehicles. You're, mm -hmm. uh, you could be preventing, you know, snow clearing in those neighborhoods because we're going to be going snow clearing in those neighborhoods during the day, not during the evening. So while we're parked there now, we can't go in and clear those routes. And with garbage collection too, if, you know, a person's neighbor is trying to put out their garbage, but they've got a bus in the way, you know, what do they do? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess what makes sense is if you have a driveway that can accommodate your bus, that's great. And if you don't, you know, maybe you can uh, rent your neighbor's driveway or something like that during the day. You know, you just get, get creative and find a solution that might work for you. 
Okay, thank you. Um, Councillor Shannon, I see a hand up, is it? Yeah, okay. Uh, sorry, you're on mute. Sorry, I would like to know how many buses are, are we talking that this is um, actually affecting? Like, are we talking 10? Are we talking three? Are we talking five? The whole we know is 78 buses across the entire region. How many, how many are actually are, are going to be affected by this bylaw though? Who, how many people are actually asking to park their buses on the street? Like that. Maybe a dozen. So the, the issue is if the, if it was to be allowed, um, any of them could. So 20 in 20 neighborhoods or, or whatever, if there's that many bus drivers with buses driving in town, because the town has the most buses um, that go to the town school sort of thing. So. Okay, I just wondered because that, that would certainly set a precedent that might not be yeah. favorable. Yeah, and, and, that, and that is the point, uh, Your Worship, if uh, there may be only one or two that are doing it right now or requesting this exemption, but if, if we allow one, then they say the potential is to allow them all. And, um, you know, certain streets, as uh, Dr. McGuire said, it would restrict other activities on those streets as well. So we have to be very careful in setting any kind of a precedent. Thank you, Councillor Good. Yeah, I think the other the other thing I'm noting in the bylaw is it talks about it doesn't really talk about school buses. It talks about any vehicle that exceeds six meters. So let's say you allow the bus, which is 14 meters. And you say you are going to allow it up to 20. Well, now it's any vehicle up to 20 meters. It doesn't matter whether it's a bus, um, truck. It doesn't matter what it is. So you've now allowed the large vehicles anywhere that they want to be. And of course, anybody's going to want to want to be. Anybody's going to want it more convenient for their own situation. I understand that. But inconvenience for the one, what, are they, what is that line that early years ago? Kindness to the wolf is not necessarily kindness to the sheep. So. <laughs> Sounds like a good saying. Uh, Councillor Carr or Councillor Boychek, any comments on this before I ask for a motion? I was going to suggest maybe we look at it on a case by case basis, but I think that's too much work. And Don's comment made a lot of sense. If you open it up to one, you open it up to all of them. So, not convinced that'd be so good. Thank you, uh, Councillor Boychuk. I don't. I don't think we'll have seventy-eight buses on the streets, but even fifty, even twenty—that's too many. And and yeah, you know, the logic behind it just doesn't seem to make sense for the safety and the convenience of the many. It's really too bad we couldn't do it on a base a case to case basis, though. That would make sense if, if it were at all feasible, but I don't think it is either. Thank you. OK, I think uh, we've heard everyone. So would someone care to uh, make a motion? Councillor Ford? Yes, Your Worship, I'd put a motion on the floor that council declined the request for exemptions to permit parking of school buses and other commercial vehicles in residential areas. Thank you. Are there any further uh, any further discussion? Councillor Good? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not 100% comfortable with the terminology of commercial vehicles because 
I can have a car that's a commercial vehicle. I can have a small van that is a commercial vehicle. Um, I think I'd like to see an amendment to that that talks up that that basically what they were asking for was a if my memory is correct they were asking for us to um, to basically remove or rescind bylaw 1746. If we just keep the bylaw, nothing changes. Am I correct on that? If I'm going to ask, I don't know who would answer that. If we just left it as it was, then That's there's correct. nothing yeah. to do. So yeah. maybe we just decline, uh, have a motion to rescind the bylaw. If it, pardon me, yeah, if it fails, then it stays as it is. I'm getting a headache. It sounds like a double negative. Positively. To maintain. Just a point. Uh, one of them did ask that his bus be exempted from uh, section 401 or 403 sub 3. So he right. did ask but for the if exemption. We, if we maintain the bylaw, if we don't rescind the bylaw, there's no exemption done. Am I correct on that? Are you, are you saying we have no motion? We just receive the report and carry um, on? That was going to be my yep. recommendation. The okay. most straightforward one would just be to re receive the report by re recommendation and make no changes to the bylaw. Um, so does that answer the reason that this was brought forth by the two uh, bus drivers? It effectively declines their request, yeah. I believe. But we have a motion on the floor. This is yeah, we do. So the motion, Mr. Ford. Well, if I was to uh, uh, change my motion or alter my motion to accept the uh, the presentation for information, is that suitable? I don't know. Does he have to withdraw his motion, first motion, or anything, or? Well, Mr. Councillor Good had asked me for an event, uh, friendly amendment. So I would amend my motion to uh, accept the report for information if, if that uh, achieves the outcome. Uh, Mrs. McQuaig, legislative clerk here. <laughs> uh, I would recommend uh, to accept the report for information could be interpreted that there is a decision more information forthcoming and make and accept, accept the report for information and make no changes to the bylaw or its enforcement. Okay, and I'll also insert a comment that commercial vehicles in the bylaw, it says something about uh, it's defined within the Traffic Safety Act. So wh whatever that means. <laughs> has to find someplace. Okay, so at this point in time, um, we have, I don't know for sure what, we had uh, uh, Mr. Ford now indicating that he is accepting the briefing note for information and Ms. McQuaid No some... changes to bylaw and we should state the number, bylaw 1746. Is that the gist of your motion, Mr. Ford? So moved. Okay. Um, oh. Mr. Boychuk, I saw your hand up. Did you have a 
another question or? Well, just, just reading on this, we actually have a request to exempt the one bus only. If the way I'm reading that right, it's a request from um, Mr. Chorney that his bus be exempt. Yeah. So with, re with this motion, um, basically because we're saying uh, we are not changing bylaw 1746, that means that he is not exempted Am I correct in that? Yeah. Okay. So uh, with that, uh, Miss uh, Who, Miss McQuaig, are you doing the minutes now? I am, Your Worship. Okay. Would you read the motion to us, please? Certainly. I have moved to accept the report for information and make no changes to Bylaw 1746 or its enforcement. Thank you. Councillors, do you have any further questions about that or its meaning? Uh, Councillor Ford? Um, just a question. What about the point of uh, commercial vehicles and it's, and referring it to, this, to the safety act or whatever that was said there? It's within the uh, bylaw. Within the bylaw. Okay, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Any other comments at the moment? Okay, all those in favor of the motion? It is carried. Thank you. And thank you, um, um, Michael, your first uh, presentation. You did well. <laughs> Thanks, Your Worship and Council. You guys have a great night. You as well. Okay, I think we have uh, maybe uh, time enough for bylaw. Uh, we have a request for a decision. And Ms. McQuaig, you're here to maybe talk us through this one. I, I do. I do know that we have our council is present if you wanted to proceed to her portion. Oh, I was wondering if you had was. OK, OK, it looks like uh, we need someone to move us that we go to closed session and um, we're dealing with the um, which one are we dealing with here? Are this is a privileged this is a privileged discussion your worship okay thank you but someone moved that we go to closed session and deal with um uh FOIP division two exceptions to disclosure section 27 privileged information i can move that okay thank you councillor shannon all those in favor okay it's 627 so anybody listening out there uh council will be back in a bit so we're going to go to breakout rooms. Ms. McQuaig will just be setting that up. You should receive a, a request. Thank you. Okay, I think we're all here again. Okay, um, thank you for your patience. Um, we're now back in the regular session. And um, I believe we have a motion uh, coming forth. Uh, Mr. Good. I move that administration draft for the mayor's signature, a response as discussed in the closed session. Thank you. And for clarity, comma after draft and comma after signature. 
you have that, Mrs. McQuaig? I have that administration draft for the mayor's signature, a letter. A draft yeah, for the mayor's signature, a response as discussed in the closed session. A response as discussed and closed. Very good. Thank you. Okay, all those in favor of that motion? It is carried. Thank you. Okay, uh, we're now um, back to the agenda. And I see we've got um, Bill McKechn, uh on the screen. So we'll go to his portion and then uh, get back to the other parts that we've uh, stepped over. Okay, so unfinished business, request for decision purchasing policy. Uh, welcome, Mr. McKinnon. And uh, Mr. McKinnon is um, going to speak to the revisions and updates of the purchasing policy. And you're on mute right now. Uh, thank you, Madam Mayor. And good evening, are. members of council. Good evening. Um, Ruth, am I going to take control of the screen or are we doing this? Um, I would recommend that you take control of the screen as I have to move around. You should have that capability. Yep. Okay, uh, just let me find my... I hope everyone can see the screen now. Yes, I think we can. Okay, that's great. So again, thank you, uh, Madam Mayor and members of council. I'll just do a quick introduction of myself. Um, some of you are familiar with me. Some of the new members of council are not. Uh, I'm a consultant, but also I've worked for municipalities for the past 35 years in various roles, such as Director of Corporate Services, CFO, uh, CAO, I've worked for municipalities that have budgets under 25 million, but I've also worked for municipalities that have budgets in excess of 2.5 billion. Uh, I have over 35 years financial management experience at the municipal level. I focus mainly on financial planning, process improvement policy. Uh, more recently for the town of Peace River, I was one of the facilitators for ICF negotiations with one of your neighbors. Again, I've been recognized by the Government Finance Service Officer Association in Canada as a municipal expert in various fields. And I've also been recognized by the Provincial Municipal Board and various utility bodies that approve financial matters within the province as a financial expert related to municipal financing. So that's just a little introduction. I have uh, some more mundane things like I'm a CPA and those type of things, but uh, I'll leave it at that. Uh, review contacted through administration was really to target numerous areas. One, uh, the expected outcomes of the review were to adopt some best practices. That's not to say your current bylaw in regards to purchasing wasn't robust. The bylaw is very robust, but like any policy, 
they can be strengthened and policies should be reviewed on an ongoing basis. Uh, again, one of the other targeted outcomes of the review was to encourage progressive strategies for procurement at the municipal level. Like all areas municipalities deal with, improving transparency, both to council and to the ratepayers, and in this case to your vendors is uh, an outcome that it, it's expected. Again, some of the items specifically in the purchasing policy, and I would just say generally policy documents that council deals with are dealt with at a high level. Uh, generally in municipalities, the purchasing bylaw dwells into a mix of policy and administrative uh, techniques in terms of delivering the policy. So the purchasing policy generally is a bit more windy than other policies of council. Uh, and that is not necessarily a bad thing, but it does provide a greater level of transparency to the public. And again, uh, part of the review was to target and achieve value for money that is inherent within your purchasing bylaw. Uh, a more comprehensive review was done. Again, procurement is a complex function guided by numerous policies, practices, and laws. Again, I mentioned your existing policy is fairly robust. Uh, some of the things we've done is to expand on the policy uh, in specific areas and provide more plain language within the policy. So it's easier for both internal staff in your various departments, but more importantly, the outside people, vendors that may be impacting and dealing with the municipality have a better understanding of where the municipality is coming from. Again, the town of Peace River doesn't have capacity necessarily to support a full functioning purchasing position and the like. So inherently, the document should also serve as a toolkit and guidelines for internal staff to reference because they are the gatekeepers of your policy per se. And again, that is, uh, you know, how do we enhance and enable the staff at all levels within the organization to be comfortable with the policy, know what the rules are, rules of engagement they can converse with the outside world in terms of the policy and as i mentioned before you know the policy has been updated over the last few years it is fairly robust in certain areas but again all policies should be reviewed on a cycle by administration and brought forward to council so in terms of the steps that were undertaken in the review i'll just highlight uh, some of the more important steps I undertook a review of leading practices in municipal procurement and looked at various leading practice bylaws that are in place in other municipalities. Uh, I also looked at best practices and emerging practices from two specific municipal drivers in terms of best practice. That is the National Institute of Government Purchasing and the Supply Chain Management Association. In addition to that, um, I looked at various reports on municipal purchasing and best practices from various industry groups. And there are two provinces that actually have an Auditor General that deals with municipal financial practices. And I reviewed both those uh, provincial reports from the various uh, auditors that basically gave guidance in terms of establishing best practices in relation to purchasing policy. After that first draft or numerous drafts of the policy, uh, your administration was heavily engaged and then a decision was made 
to get a legal review of the policy to basically wrap up all the loose ends. And that was very helpful in a sense of not only meeting the compliance in terms of risk mitigation from a legal perspective, but both your lawyer and myself were emphasizing the need to bring in more plain language as it relates to the writing of the, of the policy. And I think we've achieved that as part of the update. Some of the high level areas of uh, enhancements or greater focus in the proposed policy that's before council is a much more robust definition and clear definitions in non-technical terms uh, to allow both internal staff and external uh, parties that would be interacting with your bylaw or in, impacted by your bylaw to understand what the rules of engagement are in terms of the definitions. Uh, again, clear accountabilities have been put into the proposed bylaw in terms of staff authorities. Specifically, you'll see tables that are quick, quick reference guides within the revised policy that gives a visual view without going necessarily into the details and reading the text because the interpretation of text um, may not be best uh, for all users. Again, clear definitions in terms of exceptions and uh, restrictions within the purchasing policy, uh, newer sections on how bids will be evaluated, a new section specifically dealing with vendor performance and how that uh, vendors would be impacted on a go forward basis under the policy, clearer definitions for both administration and the outside world of what procurement methods uh, the town will undertake based on the financial obligations that are going, going out for the marketplace. Again, Legal Beagle did do an excellent job in terms of looking at legal considerations and risk mitigation for everyone, not only the town, but also people that would interact uh, with the policy. So the summary of the review is the policy update has been completed. Uh, management has also been provided additional suggestions that would be after the fact that are outside of the policy domain of council, uh, specifically in the areas of additional training for staff within the organization, uh, better alignment of administrative directives with policy. So council deals with policy, how it gets done is really administrative directives. So there's some discussion uh, and some synergies that have to take place uh, depending on what council does with the policy. Again, some uh, additional training and risk mitigation and management of the purchasing function per se. Again, uh, you know, to a large extent, the significant areas of responsibility uh, in the town, you know, rests with the directors and the CAO. But, uh, you know, that's a big challenge and a big sort of thing that's done off the corner of the desk. Uh, there are some methods and methodologies and performance uh, templates that I'm gonna be providing to administration to help their administration on a go forward basis. Uh, and that area of vendor performance and bid evaluation fits into that overall category in terms of, if you're gonna have things in the policy, administration's gonna to have to implement practices to support the policy and uh, advise council of any policy shifts that may be needed in the future. So next steps that were outlined in the RFD from the administration is the issue of potential community engagement. 
Uh, based on that, uh, we will update the policy based on council's direction, uh, whether council wishes, uh, we'll, you know, administration will provide direction to me of what council's direction was and either uh, policy can proceed or as it's been outlined in the RFP from your CAO, um, there could be potential for community engagement and the policy come back uh, after that engagement has happened. And part of what is uh, outlined in the RFP, it would be a two-step process, community engagement, and then a vetting of what could be potentially changed in the revi and revised in the policy based on best practices, risk mitigation, and further legal advice from your solicitor. So that concludes my presentation, Madam Mayor. Be pleased to answer any questions yourself or members of council may have on the revised policy. Well, I noticed that um, the uh, plain language uh, seems to take double the space in order to make it plain from the uh, original policy to the, the uh, possible revised one. Um, reading through it though, I, uh, think that it's uh, very well done and um, always uh, a different fresh eye always has different questions perhaps but uh, counselors do you have uh, some questions or comments so um, uh, with respect to uh, mr. McKeckin's um, uh, presentation. Uh, I guess uh, now we would uh, go um, to the briefing note and look at some of the options. Uh, uh, Director Bell, that would be what we should do. Yes, I'm just scrolling up in the report because I was at the <laughs> tail end of the policy and yes, there's a lot, a, a lot more within this document. Um, the <clears throat> excuse me, request for decision related to this particular item is attached uh, adjacent to Mr. McKinnon's uh, presentation. And there are options presented to council. First option is to approve the updated policy as presented. Uh, option two is for council to direct administration to reach out to our business community for feedback on the proposed purchasing policy as presented by Mr. McKinnon. And uh, once that feedback is received, uh, have Mr. McKinnon and legal uh, additionally review that feedback and bring back any um, amendments, changes, proposals, recommendations to the policy for final review by council at a later date. Hmm. Well, thank you. Um, Councillors, uh... Any comments on the options or uh, Councillor Scan or Deputy Mayor Scamahorn? Councillor Works. Yeah, we we had uh, discussed, you know, um, when this when this came around and it was quite some time ago, you know, getting it back to uh, you know the chamber and 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 soliciting response from from others uh, in the business community or others deemed affected by it or whatever, so that uh, it can be you know it can be the the best that it that it can be right so mm -hmm. it would be 
it would be quite silly for us to go back on that now in my perspective yes yeah okay uh any further comments uh does any counselor have any particular question that they want to bring up at this point in time with respect to the purchasing policy wait for the next review perhaps is what we're hearing well so long as you know like it's it's something that council you know lives with but it's not something that we use right so i guess the the questions are for administration almost like like you know you guys are the ones that get to that get to actually you know uh drive this thing around right so um i would i would uh, you know kind of do my deferral to uh you know mr mcquake and and his uh team there yeah and generally speaking i think your administration is supportive of the presented uh updated draft uh I, mr mckinnon made a, a fine point to administration um, during some of our consultations of this is probably the most uh, significant policy within the realm of policies developed by council as an interface to your public this has the most predominant impact so in saying that public engagement is administration's recommendation we feel strongly that we want to ensure that uh, public members do have an opportunity to submit their comments and and feedback to this process thank you councillor good well, actually i'm, I'm I'm really happy about that. I'm happy with the work that was done uh, by administration and, and by yeah, by Bill. I'm, I'm really happy with that because I think you brought a pretty decent document, especially for public to consider. And I think we, a lot of us have made commitments that we're going to do our best to improve communication with our business community and with our with uh, with the number of our communities in our of people in our community and a number of different communities within our municipality. So yeah, I'm, I'm fully supportive of the public engagement and we're very glad that administration is on side with that. So next one, we're all rowing in the same direction for the same purpose, it's beautiful. Appreciate it very much. Well, public engagement would give the opportunity for people to go through it with a fine tooth, uh, well, a fine eye, I guess. and. Uh, really it's the time to question any of the nuances that they might come up with for examples or, or whatever so sure yeah okay um no further comments would someone like to uh move us forward with a motion uh counselor good um, I move the recommendation that council directs administration to reach out to the business community for feedback on the proposed policy and then have Mr. McKinnon and legal review any comments before bringing the purchasing policy back to council for deliberation. Thank you. Any uh, further discussion? All those in favor of the motion? Okay, it is carried. Well, thank you very much, Mr. McKinnon. And, um, very thorough work and we're looking forward to future future conversation on it with that madam mayor i'll say my adieus for tonight and thank you again for your support and specifically to administration for their uh, excellent input during this review so anyways uh that's it from my end from now and uh, i'll be going to, to see a hockey game if one's on
Oh my. Yes. Well, Have a good, good night. Good luck with that too. Very much appreciate it. Thank you. Night night. Okay, uh, back to our agenda. We had skipped over the uh, section on bylaws, the request for a decision with respect to bylaw 2110, a bylaw to repeal, repeal bylaws 2080 and 2081. And Mrs. McQuaig was going to speak to this, I believe. Yes, your worship and council. This will be a very brief presentation, a fact which uh, I presume council will appreciate at this point in the evening. Uh, as you know, we recently passed our annual line of credit and short-term borrowing bylaws. These are required by the banks. They're in effect essentially from time past until December 31st of the next year. When drafting the bylaws, uh, staff drafted it in uh, 2021 and we happily repealed the bylaws from 2020. Forgetting that times change, we move forward and there was a typographical error. We did not repeal the correct bylaws. This has absolutely no impact on our banking or our finances. It's simply an administrative cleanup so that we don't have dangling homeless bylaws. Uh, council will remember the omnibus affair from last summer where we had 121 such bylaws. So we would like to prevent that. So we are asking council to quickly ratify this repeal uh, with all three readings this evening. Okay, so the new bylaws are, um, well, I guess that's immaterial. Okay, uh, would uh, someone care to, um, Move first reading of um, a motion to repeal bylaws 2080 and 2081. Yes, it's bylaw 2110. Okay, someone care to move first reading? How about Councillor Shannon? I can move that. Thank you. All those in favor of that motion? Great. How about uh, someone to move uh, second reading? Uh, Councillor Boychuk. All those in favor of that motion? Okay, then we need a motion to go to third reading. I'll move we go to third reading. Thank you, Councillor or Deputy Mayor Scammerhorn. All those in favor? Councillor Carr. Would you like to make a motion to do third reading? You're, you're on mute, mute, sir. But I think you're saying that, right? Yes, yes? I'm okay. happy to move to do third reading. <laughs> Thank you. All those in favor? Great. Oh. Thank okay. you, Council, for assisting us with our oversight. Oh, well, things happen. Okay, so now we're on to new business and uh, item two, request for direction with respect to the Chamber of Commerce presentation follow-up. And we have Ms. Um, Modi, Manager of Planning and Development and Director Bell. Don't know who wants to speak first or how you wanna do it. I am gonna let Ms. Modi take the lead on this one. Okay. Good evening, everyone. 
All right, I am here to speak about uh, the follow-up to the Chamber of Commerce presentation, which we heard in November of last year. And I will do my best to be succinct, but I also wanna give this topic its, its full, uh, it's full due. So this, the intention here is that um, we are following up on the Chamber of Commerce presentation, which was presented to Council on November 22nd, 2021. At that time, Council directed staff to prepare a briefing note based on the information and feedback that was received by Chamber uh, so that you could provide additional direction to us. Uh, we have shifted that direction a little bit and have brought forward a request for direction to make sure that you are able to give us some very specific direction coming out of this council meeting uh, if that is your your want and desire so we've got a request for direction here uh, the background to begin so as i said this is a follow-up to the chamber's presentation on november 22nd where they presented uh, the results of a survey that was done by chamber members that highlighted some areas of concern for the chamber. So those areas that the chamber highlighted to us were taxes and analysis of spending and expenses, streamlining business slash reducing red tape, and debt reduction. They also suggested a feasibility study that the town would undertake to review the, the municipal tax structure, analyze bylaws impacts on business development or expansion and establish a debt reduction plan and those words are parroting the chamber's uh, words to us so that's uh, their language based on that presentation as i said uh, council did direct us to bring forward further information so since that time administration uh, has been working with chamber uh, to um to work or to follow up sorry is somebody trying to break in with a question no Sorry. Okay. Um, yes, after that presentation, the chamber did follow up with administration because they presented results of a survey. Uh, but that survey was they just presented the uh, the quantitative results, they did not present the qualitative comments that they had received. So they did share those comments with uh, town staff and we reviewed them. There were about 30 individual comments. And based on those comments, we highlighted some key themes that came out that were recurring uh, themes within those comments. And they were uh, to reduce regulatory barriers, to increase proactive communication. And when they were talking about communication, the comments were related to communication to the business community from the town about the business community. So the Peace River business community and how we can maybe highlight it or promote it and between the Peace River Chamber and the town of Peace River. Uh, another key theme was around costs and taxes being high, being prohibitive, um, and also whether or not there were ways for us to help with costs. And then the last key theme was for uh, the need to work to improve reputation and trust and to have an open for business uh, attitude and to communicate that attitude. And we are in speaking with chamber one of the things that I think has come out uh, repeatedly which is really positive is that when it comes to things like working on uh, improving reputation and trust chamber is really recognizing that they have a role to play in that as well and that they can be a partner with us in changing that narrative and working proactively together to try and improve the overall business climate within the community. So since that initial presentation, uh, we have met twice with the chamber executive. And when I say we, I mean myself and uh, Director Bell uh, at the behest of our 
uh, CAO, Mr. Parker. So we met on December 14th, uh, where we did some initial conversation. And then again, on January 17th, where we reviewed uh, some of the information that we were thinking about bringing forward back to council. So they've seen a draft version of this uh, request for direction, and they have a pretty good idea of what was going forward to council. And I think we're all on the same page at the moment, which is exciting. Uh, during those meetings, we did do uh, have a lot of discussion and had the ability to try and get a better understanding for the ask that they were bringing forward to council, particularly with respect to the financial and fiscal concerns that they were presenting. It is our understanding at this point that Chamber is looking for a bit of a third party review of the annual municipal budget. And they're interested in particular in understanding how or whether the town's budgeting practices include a general roll forward of budgeted amounts from year to year or if there are more detailed processes. And Director Bell did give them an initial uh, description of our processes. And I think that that is a first step in terms of communicating those processes to them, but I think there's probably some additional work that can happen and be supported by, by CEO Parker and by our new Director of Corporate Services uh, once he has the chance to, to spend more than five days in the office. So I, there's definitely work to be done there uh, once we, um, we just get a little bit further along also in the 2022 municipal budget process. So to proceed as Chamber has suggested in terms of an actual feasibility study, that would um, that would be something that would need to be considered as part of this 2022 budget process. But at this point, administration thinks that we can meet some of the needs of the Chamber or the request, request for information uh, with that further work uh, done at the administrative level. So we're hoping that that can happen sometime in the next few months, kind of depending on how it correlates and, and fits into the budgeting uh, priority that is currently, I think, the, the core focus of corporate services at this point. But in terms of uh, what we've been able to share with Chamber, the town did provide some information to Chamber and made sure that we were pointing them in the direction of information that we already do have available publicly, but is it necessarily at everybody's fingertips unless they, they are really looking for it. So that does include the annual budget documents that we have on our town website, which are available for a number of years uh, going into the past and includes last year's 2021 budget, as well as the annual audits, which are on the report section of the Town of Peace River webpage. We also did our best to address some of their specific questions. One of the main questions that they had when it came to the finances was around uh, what comes in from business taxes compared to residential. So we were able to share that with them uh, in 2021. Uh, our commercial and industrial properties paid uh, in the order of $4,608,000 in municipal taxes compared to our residential properties, which were at 6.2 million. So that some of that information that which wasn't actually in very clearly laid out in the budget document, we were able to share and, and fill that blank in the information that they had. Uh, we also did share that town council has been exploring the municipal viability process uh, with Alberta Municipal Affairs, so they were interested to hear about that, but we did let them know that really it was just the first step in terms of information gathering uh, with municipal affairs, which you did receive in December of last year. Uh, in terms of the streamlining business or red tape reduction priority that they presented, we did talk about some ongoing work that's been going on at the town office. Uh, one of the primary things there relates to the land use bylaw rewrite. Um, based on that rewrite, a lot of the 
specific critiques or specific concerns that were highlighted in some of those chamber comments, the, the specific survey comments, uh, those are already being addressed in our draft bylaw. Those include things like lowering the parking requirements in downtown, removing the two-story building minimum that we have on Main Street, uh, removing development permit requirements for certain changes of use between on existing buildings, uh, addressing Airbnb bed and breakfast arrangements, and also incorporating what is currently a pilot project, the temporary outdoor patio and retail space pilot project, permanently into our land use bylaw. So a lot of those things that were highlighted are, are already in the works. And it's just a matter of that document being finalized and brought, being brought forward to council. Well, with that being the, the big caveat being that it is currently a draft. And so that draft does need to be you know, circulated in the community, more public engagement happening before that's finalized. So while those components are being addressed right now, we can't say for certainty that, um, that all of those things will remain just as they are today. So but certainly the chamber will be one of the stakeholders that we would engage in that process. And I would expect that they would be speaking in favor of those changes. Uh, another one of the key changes that has happened over the last number of years with respect to reducing red tape or costs is with respect to the offsite levy, which administration has been steadily working to lower. So between 2016 and 2021, uh, we have reduced the cost of the offsite levy by 56%. And that is not just because we wanted to lower costs, but also because we were doing our best to make sure that the model that generates that number is actually reflective of the reality in the town of Peace River and the, the, the different inputs. So the population growth, the land, the land uptake, the actual costs of the uh, projects that the levy is trying to fund and the proportion of the, um, of those costs that should be dedicated to new development compared to paid for by the existing portion of the community, which is really the majority of those. So that's where a lot of that cost reduction came down, down to. It was about actually rationalizing the model and making sure that we were being as accurate as possible. So we have been working on that. Uh, and then another thing that did come up in the survey results or survey comments was about the ability to defer offsite levy payments. Within our policy, we have updated that and we do have the ability to defer certain offsite levy payments. So we can work develop with developers on that. Uh, another one of the specific questions that Chamber posed to the town was how long does it take to get from application to approval? So what we have been able to share uh, and was shared with Council in your orientation packages was that from uh, January 2021 to September 2021, uh, we've been able to share the number of days on average it takes to get from a development permit being deemed complete. So once we've received all of the information that's required as part of the development permit to when we make a decision, and the legislated maximum for that is 40 days under the Municipal Government Act. And you can see based on the table that we've got here that our average is well below that. So for all of our permits, our average is 2.7 days. Uh, for our permitted use development permits, it is less than that, 0.5, so basically half a day to get from, we have the information to we're issuing our permit. And then for discretionary use permits, where we do take those decisions to our municipal planning commission, which does take a while longer because we have to draft a report and get a meeting together and have quorum for that meeting. Uh, those decisions have been on average taking 13.4 days. So still well under the maximum of the MGA. And we always try to keep those timelines as short as possible. We are working as well to uh, 
be able to communicate more of the timeline associated with development permits. So that is just one component of the development process. It's the one that we have the greatest degree of control over because we've received all the information that we've needed uh, from the developer. And we're just in the process of making those decisions ourselves, whereas some of the other parts of the process are really also highly impacted by the developer and their ability to get information from either themselves or their consultants to the town so that we can make decisions. But we are looking to uh, streamline our, our, our data points and be able to provide that information going forward. So we'll be adding additional information that we can share in the future. Uh, one last thing on this point that we did share with the chamber is that we do currently have one uh, empty spot on our municipal planning commission, which we'll be looking to advertise very shortly, probably in early February. And the chamber can certainly encourage their membership to put their name forward to sit on that board. So we expect to do that. And I do think that there is at least one member of the chamber executive that is interested in putting their name forward. So we'll see if that happens. And then finally, on debt reduction, uh, we shared much of the same information that I previously spoke to around the municipal budget and the reports that are available or, or audited financial statements. So going forward, um, some of the key outcomes that have come out of these discussions. And we're here, we're trying to tie back and think about the, the key themes that we heard uh, coming out of that feedback from Chamber and trying to work on the ways that we can improve communications, uh, improve reputation and trust, uh, reducing and identifying regulatory barriers and cultivating that open for business uh, attitude and initiatives. So some initial things that we've identified between the chamber and the town include uh, making sure that the council representative, Council Shannon, has the information that uh, that she needs from us as administration to bring forward to chambers so that they have the information to share with their membership. In particular, we're thinking that that means what items are coming up on the council agenda and also what opportunities are coming forward for engagement that would be of interest in particular to the business community. Uh, in that uh, spirit of that item, uh, the January 17th uh, meeting with the chamber, we did highlight that the purchasing policy was coming forward uh, to Council and that we were expecting public engagement to proceed from that and that we we're also looking at an encroachment policy uh, coming from the Planning and Development Department, which will be coming to a, a Council agenda near you in the, in the near future, we're hoping. So once that is presented to Council, then we would hope to likewise do an engagement process to give the community a chance to provide feedback there. Um, other items that we're looking at doing would be also for the chamber to think about the, that in reverse and sort of what information does chamber want to make sure that they are providing to our council rep to bring back to the town for communications to both council and to administration. So we're hoping to keep that channel going two ways. Uh, the chamber has also identified that they're hoping once our 2022 municipal budget is a past that the mayor will come to a chamber meeting to present that to the business community. And we're hoping to continue to meet with the chamber executive uh, on an ongoing basis as we we identify the need for it. So in this at this point, we're expecting that after this uh, request for direction is brought forward in any direction that comes from it, we'll meet again with chamber to discuss uh, that those next steps. Uh, Councilor Shannon, did I see your hand go up? Do you have a question? 
I can take a pause if you do. I was just clapping for you. <laughs> All right, oh, that's good to good hear. <laughs> okay. All right, then I'll keep going. So some additional bigger ideas uh, that we have discussed with Chamber. And I guess the top idea right now is that we have talked with Chamber and they are enthusiastic about the concept of establishing an economic development committee to help direct and also to undertake uh, economic development initiatives for the town of Peace River. And I really did underline the word undertake because that, that was one of the key things or the key themes when we were talking about the committee is that they don't want to just be providing direction. They, they want to be doing some of the work as well. So that's pretty key. Uh, based on the discussion that we've had, this is kind of the top idea coming out of administration and the chamber discussions. And we think that this could engage uh, multiple partners and community members in the process. It could also be a cost-effective way forward to try and start tackling economic development uh, without going for the full economic development officer route. Um, and we would see that this would be something that would, the next step in terms of moving along in this direction would be establishing a terms of reference for this committee and talking about membership. We have had some preliminary discussions or brainstorming about who would could be on that committee and we've thought definitely council representative uh, chamber representative as well possibly community futures locally uh, member at large and also administrative staff I think to really tie it all together and make sure that the the committee is a working committee that has uh, resources at its disposal and we would also uh, think that a budget item so there is some consideration for the 2022 budget here uh, would help to make sure that uh, various, the, <laughs> sorry, uh, a formal budget provided to the committee would facilitate those specific initiatives. Uh, another specific idea that has come forward is preparing a business support survey uh, that would identify what sort of supports local businesses in the community want and see a need for to help support their local economy. Uh, that survey could definitely be an initiative of this committee. I think it would make a lot of sense coming from that, uh, that uh, avenue. Uh, a third option here that we have discussed with the chamber is the idea of hiring an economic development officer, which is I know an idea that's been discussed at council as well. However, based on the budget implications, both the chamber and administration, I think are on the same page at this point, that that's not our top uh, priority moving forward, and that there are wins to be had uh, going the committee route, if possible. And then finally, we have uh, identified some smaller items that are more administrative in nature, uh, some immediate actions that we as staff want to make sure we're doing. That includes sharing the, the social media link on the, for, for the council agenda to the chamber so that they're making sure that they get that circulated to their uh, membership and also make sure that we're sharing uh, promotions and advertisements for public engagement opportunities. And then some longer term but still administrative ideas include in increasing our communication as the town, specifically creating and enhancing public facing information to increase understanding of town processes. One example could be a how to start a business, not from the business person's perspective, but how to get through the town steps that are needed so that it's really well laid out and people don't have to go figure it out on their own. It's, it's in one spot. 
uh, and then also developing a welcome package for new businesses, which is also something that could definitely be worked on and um, probably enhanced by having the committee work together on that. So we do have a number of requests of Council this evening. The first would be that Council direct administration to prepare a follow-up briefing note regarding the request for a feasibility study and third-party review of the annual municipal budget. We want to make sure that that doesn't get lost and that we are coming back and closing the loop with the Chamber so that we're, we are addressing their, their information needs and making sure that we're not letting things get lost in the budget process, which does have lots of important inputs, but uh, there are other things too. And then finally, uh, to provide some direction based on one of three options. So option number one would be that council direct administration to draft a terms of reference for an economic development committee in consultation with the chamber executive and provide that draft terms of reference for consideration at a future, at a future council meeting. And to go along with that option, that council considering, consider incorporating a $20,000 budget for the Economic Development Committee into the 2022 municipal budget. We think that will give the committee something to begin working with. And really, like there's going to be some projects, I think, that also don't need a lot of budget dollars that can still happen without it. So it's a good step in the right direction uh, for 2022. And then if momentum, if it's going well and momentum is working, the committee is working, then council can consider what the budget might be for 2023. But that does get us started. Alternate options could be that council direct administration with respect to alternate steps, if any, to address the concerns raised by the Chamber of Commerce. And option three would be that council direct administration to defer next steps, if any, until after the council strategic planning session process is complete. So I can take any questions or I can also throw it to Director Bell if you want to add anything. Yeah. Deputy okay. Mayor? Um, Deputy, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's fine. Deputy Mayor? Oh, good. Okay. Um, the 20,000 there, good. Uh, it's uh, I, I'm, not a, I'm not opposed is that are, are we like for this committee are we the only financial backer for the committee is is everyone taking a piece of the committee uh investment there at this point we haven't had conversations with other groups about contributing it's definitely something an idea that's been bandied about internally uh but i think at this point we couldn't say that there's any commitment but certainly we're, we're willing to have that conversation as we work on the draft terms of reference. Great. Uh, Councillor Good. Um, one incredible work. Um, reading it, and, and I've got to tell you, it, it set me back in my chair when I read it. It was really, really, really impressive work. Um, I think you've, you've, you've covered an, an awful lot of bases here. And I'm speaking basically to Alicia and Tanya on this and whoever else is involved in this. You've covered a lot of stuff on here. Um, I, I, I have one difficulty, which is the on one of the following three options, but I think there's some wisdom in two of them. Um, I think the, the first one, yeah. Personally, I love the idea of draft terms of reference for an economic development committee. I think that's a wonderful idea. But I also like the idea that council not direct in to, to defer next steps until after the council strategic planning, but that this process be brought as part of the 
strategic planning process. Because I think there's an awful lot of information in here that is really relevant to that process that would be very, very helpful to us for things to consider. So I'd like to see option one slash three kind of a modification. And again, um, I really love some of the work that was done in here. So. Thank you. Other comments? Uh, Councillor Boychuk. Oh, yes, sorry. Well done, Alicia. And, uh, you know, the only thing out of this whole thing that bothers me is that uh, we're running with data that is, is really not that valid. To have uh, any survey with less than 50% participation, you know, I, I would like to see us collect a little bit better information from our chamber. I love the ideas that are coming forward and working with them, but you know, they confess themselves, we might be sitting at about 10, 10 plus businesses that answered this survey out of the 170. And I want to make sure that as town council, we're representing all of them, not just a select small group, group from the chamber, you know, so that's, that's my only concern is, is that you, you know, we can even take that survey out of here, because it sounds like most of the conversation you had, you've identified some key concerns, which I'm pretty sure most of us are aware of. But uh, as far as that survey goes, you know, you need at least at least 80 representative businesses. And we got maybe, well, they say some may have done it several people at one business. So we could be looking at 15 to 10 businesses that we're running with. And I think that that's part of the reason why we do have identified in some of the future work another survey, because we do feel like that was a first step in speaking to the business community, but there's definitely opportunities to get, get a lot more information from them to make sure that what we end up actually doing in terms of initiatives is things that actually make sense for the businesses we have in our community. Councillor Shannon. Okay, first of all, I just want to clarify the procedure here. Like, do we use the hand up thing in the reactions or do we just Put our hand up or what do you prefer, Madam Mayor? Putting your hand up, I see it more so. Okay. Yeah, thanks. So just, uh, okay, thank you. Um, I guess uh, what I want to ask, it, one, my first question is um, where the 20,000 came from? Like, how did you come up? And good job, Alicia, I just can't say enough. That was just <laughs> excellent, excellent, excellent. I'm just so excited. But uh, how did the 20,000, just out of curiosity, I'd like to know. To be perfectly honest, at this point, it was a gut reaction to what we thought would be an amount of money that would give some support to some initiatives, some strategic initiatives, without it being so big an ask that it makes it difficult for council to realistically say yes to that, knowing the budget constraints that we're facing. So that number, council certainly can discuss it in the pro in the. Uh, budget process uh, but and if you wanted us to try and identify maybe some specific costs but without knowing exactly what initiatives the committee would be undertaking it's hard to get more specific but this way they have a resource to begin with to at the very least i was just curious to see um so that number twenty thousand, we can work on that and um and modify it before it's not like set in stone that's just that your recommendation or your um suggestion Yes, that would be, it's our, it's our recommendation. Yeah. And then it's, it's sorry, oh. just a, it's a, almost a placeholder to then be discussed in your 2022 budget um, deliberations. Yeah, so once we can add this, Terry is attentively uh, 
picking up on the cues here that this is something that we will put in for the 2022, 2022 budget deliberations that council would have uh, hopefully starting next month. Okay, and then uh, my last uh, question was, um, I think it's uh, it's absolutely appropriate for, uh, for us to request that the Chamber of Commerce also submit some funds to this. And I, I have a, I, I'd be really confident that they would, uh, would really entertain that thought as well. But I really like the direction you're going, Alicia, a lot, like with the, um, especially with the reputation part and re reputation and trust and all that. Like, I think that will go a long way with uh, getting, getting, having this committee be actually effective. Yeah. Very, very good stuff. Thank you very much. Thank you. Any further comments? Yeah, I think I, I agree okay. with uh, with Shelley there. Like, I, I know that you know this lot. The, the the previous council did spend uh, you know a lot of time putting in you know put, putting an effort and in, in, into you know making some some inroads into making things better for businesses with this a lot of the stuff that you guys highlighted. And then during the election season, many of us still encounter people saying, "Oh, the town of Peachers." you know this council that was was an anti-business council and it's like well i'm not sure where that's coming from you know like it was it was it was sort of frustrating to see that and to and to see that the chamber recognizes hey if we're all um you know pushing this attitude that we have the intention of making it as good as we can i think that's 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 really big and and uh, i know it's been said by a few other councillors, probably better than i could but yeah this is really impressive work here and uh and uh, I, I think I like what, you know, what Don has said. It's not a, in, in the way that it's, it, it might not be a one, a one move issue. It might be that I, I really like option one and get you guys moving on some of those ideas. Uh, and then still having potential steps after, you know, we have these strategic plan discussions because more, you know, more options might come out of that. And then the more conversations we have with the chamber and with, you know, like Mark suggested, the data that we can potentially collect uh, more robust data. Um, you know, then 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 some of those moves that we we want to make will start to clarify. Thank you, uh, Councillor Ford, and then Councillor Good. Yeah, I'm just going to reiterate what everybody else said. It was uh, great work on this uh, report. It was very impressive. I do like the idea that. Uh, some of the stuff that you started administratively has already been has already begun as far as the communication part. Um, I also agree that this uh, should be um, talks as far as our uh, our strategic plan goes because there is some budgetary issues um, that will become of this. Um, and the other thing I do like, I'm going to refer back to that slide in the uh, strategic planning where you, it shows the path of two roads. And uh, I, I think this, from what I'm hearing from the rest of my colleagues, I kind of have an idea of which path they want to go down. So it's, it's definitely worth the discussion in the strategic planning. Thank you. Councillor Good? I kind of forgot one of the points that I was going to go on, but I also um, wanted to talk about um, Councillor, oh, I was going to say, um, now I remember it. Um, Alicia had talked about the new um, census figures that are coming out in a couple of weeks, if, I'm, if my understanding is correct. The first so release in February. We're going to have some really 
pretty up-to-date data on the demographics in the town, which I think are certainly going to, are going to impact a lot of our conversation at the strategic planning. And I think um, Councillor Boychuk also brought up about the, the other data that we're using. Um, and I think we need to keep in mind that we want to get much, not to, like you had the idea here of the um, business survey, but it was termed as a business I'm sorry, I don't have it for me. Alicia, do you remember the word? The word, uh, the word I used was business support survey, which honestly, since I even wrote it, has morphed a little bit in my head. Um, yeah, okay. I feel and like I that's a part of it, but there's also another part perhaps that we need ag to Agreed. Explore. And I think that that's um, to, to an extent what Councillor Boychuk was alluding to is that that survey should be also a, a data gathering, um, a da data gathering exercise for our businesses and not just and, and as he put it, you know, working with the chamber, but also working with potentially other business partners and other businesses and other, other ways of getting business involved. I think um, we could do a really good job of trying to get as much data as we can on that because the more data, the better. I do understand it's a snapshot in time, but it's better to have a snapshot in time and work from some data than to have no snapshot and be working from imagination. So, but I, yeah, again, I'm really impressed with the work you guys did. Okay, so um, yes, Alicia and um, Tanya, this was an excellent uh, report and uh, very good communication <laughs> to us as well. So uh, I think I want to uh, focus here. Um, is someone willing to, um, maybe we'll split this into two parts possibly. Uh, the first request, would there be a motion forthcoming on that? Yeah, I'll move option one and we'll get that one um, rolling out the gate, I think. So, um, okay, so option one is uh, drafting a term of reference for an economic uh, development committee. Is that the option one you're talking of? Absolutely. Okay, and prior to that, there was the one to have council direct administration to prepare a follow-up briefing regarding the request for a feasibility study and a third-party review of the annual municipal budget so um i have two hands up here councillor good and then councillor ford we have on a motion the on the floor though well let's deal with the motion on the floor then we might have two more so the motion on the floor as i understand it deputy mayor is Option one as written. I have a question to that motion, Your Worship. Okay. Is there uh, any cost implication to uh, to the town for ter to do that terms of reference? Well, there's the twenty thousand that's going to be built in there. Otherwise, administrative time, right? And that twenty thousand, like was stated before, is sort of a ready fire aim number, and that can be refined as time goes on. Okay. Okay. Deputy Mayor, did you want the 20,000 included as the motion or was that simply a, a consideration item for the budget? I'll get what you, the second part. Consideration for the budget. Absolutely. Okay, so we, we'll so it's have to... informational and not part of the motion. Yes. Thank Thanks you. for that clarification. That's good. Okay, so the motion intends that there would be money we would look at spending money on on this though is that correct yes. this is going to hit our budget talks that that value and 
Okay. Uh, administration, you're clear on that motion then without that no last problem. sentence? Yep. Okay. All those in favor of that motion? It is carried. Okay, Councillor Good, you had a uh, point or? A... Yeah, um, on the preparation of briefing notes regarding the request for a feasibility study and a third party review of the annual municipal budget, um, bringing briefing notes, I think is fine. I, I mean, I can make a motion that we have briefing notes, but, um, and then we would discuss from those briefing notes, the whether we're going to do anything with it or go forward based on the input from administration. Am I correct on that? Then I'm, I'm fine with um, making a motion that council direct administration to prefer follow-up briefing notes regarding the request for a feasibility study and a third party review of the annual municipal budget. Okay, any any um, discussion on that motion? Okay, then all those in favor? It is carried, thank you. Any further um, discussion on this item? Okay, Councillor Good. That was um, the council direct administration to um, bring bring this document forward to the um, strategic planning process. Okay, so that's your motion. Sure. Yeah, okay. that works. Okay. Uh, all those. Uh, any further discussion? All those in favor? Very good. Thank you. And uh, thank you. Uh, excellent um, start to uh, further communications uh, with our community, in particular Chamber of Commerce. And uh, thank you, uh, Alicia and uh, Tanya for um, uh, kind of leading the charge and having the, doing the time <laughs> to come up with this as well, because uh, very well written, well done. Okay, our next one is uh, number three, request for a decision with respect to the invitation for the 2022 Davis Awards. And uh, Acting CAO Bell is speaking to this, I see. It's a perfect segue from our last RFD or a request from direction. Uh, the Chamber of Commerce uh, annual uh, Davis Awards, and I don't believe last year there was an in-person award session. I don't recall. I don't think so. They are doing a uh, in-person session or in-person event, sorry, on January 29th, and they request the participation of the mayor in uh, that community award program through the chamber. Um, the town is able to purchase additional uh, seats or possibly a table uh, based on council's choice if you wish to do so. So your options are that we enable all members of council under option one to attend and uh, enable the mayor to present remarks on behalf of the town. Your option two is that the mayor and your council member, Councillor Shannon, who's uh, the liaison to the Chamber of Commerce from the town of Peace River, are enabled and have the mayor also enabled to bring greetings on behalf of the town in that option two. So option one is all of council, purchase a table. Option two is um, just the two members of council. And I'll add to that that uh, I believe the town gets um, 
two tickets automatically because of uh, the way we have some funding happening with the Chamber of Commerce. But Councillor Shannon, did you have a comment? Uh, no, when I um, synced my calendars, after we had the first conversation here, I realized that my other, some other commitments kind of overlap, but I'm trying to work on them to um, make it possible for me to attend. Oh, okay. Okay, uh, Deputy Mayor Scammerhorn. Um, I, I would move option one. I would, I would you know, for a couple things. Uh, one, just the conversation that we just had, and and it would be really great, I think, um, to to participate as robustly as possible. Get some get some some time between councillors and uh, admin and uh, and the, the the attendees at the. the the event, maybe uh, you know, get get Terry out there uh, rubbing shoulders in in town. You know that he's part of the team as well, maybe, and 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 uh, you know all, all that kind of thing. I think I think it would be a I think it would be a very good good move for us to uh, attend in force. So if that was to go ahead, can I just have uh, people speak individually if they would want to be in attendance? Because the chamber was asking today for numbers for their planning. So, um, uh, Councillor Boychuk, would you be attending? And is this um, Councillor Ann's partner? Or what are you thinking, Deputy Mayor? Um, we'll see how many are free to come before we maybe go that way. Okay. On plus ones. Okay. Uh, Councillor Boychuk, yes or no? Um, I was planning attending. I contacted Ramona. I was planning on buying my own tickets. But um, way I'm feeling and the way things are going. I don't see myself available for this weekend. We'll have to see. Okay, okay. unfortunate. Um, Councillor Shannon, you're figuring it out. Uh, Deputy Mayor Scammerhorn. Yes. Um, let's see, Councillor Good. Maybe not. No, I'd certainly like to, I, but I won't be able to give you an answer until early tomorrow morning. Well, that would probably be okay. I'm thinking we would, uh, um, well, uh, email me. <laughs> yes, I'll link. email you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think, I, but uh, I echo Councillor Scamahorn. I think this is um, one of the chamber's biggest events in the year, and it's also, if I'm, my memory is correct, Shelley, from one long time ago when I was there, this is somewhat of a funding opportunity for the chamber also. So I think it. It helps out in two respects. Yes, it is one of their biggest fundraisers, and not only that. Like it, it, if we were in uh, start, you know, starting to form a different, more stronger relationship with them, I agree with Byron as well that we need to be there um, and show support for for them in any way we can. And I agree with the, uh, some of administration actually being there to, as well. Yeah, I think some administration also. Um, Orrin. Yeah, I'm not available this uh, Saturday, but is there a, uh, but I do agree with uh, Deputy Mayor's concerns uh, as, as far as having this being robust and getting that relationship developed. Is there a capacity limit on the room of where they're having the event? I believe there is. They won't have the same level as they've had in the past because of some capacity um, restrictions. They're seating eight, or what is it? Eight people instead of 10 at a table or, or something like that as well, where 
10 people instead of 12, something like that. Uh, Councillor Carr. I would have to yeah, I'm going to have to decline, sorry. Okay, okay so thus far we've got um, uh, the mayor, deputy mayor, yeses, and uh, iffy, uh, Councillor Shannon, iffy, Councillor Good, uh, iffy, Councillor Boychuk. And with respect to admin, uh, admin in front of us, we have uh, Director Bell, I am in Grand Prairie at a volleyball tournament. Oh, those. Not in the volleyball tournament. I'm <laughs> the driver. Well, you probably could be. I was um, going to ask you if there was a link to watch online if you were playing. I'd probably <laughs> put the night off too if you were. <laughs> You'd probably pay to see that. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, uh, Mr. Uh, Webbsdale? I'd be delighted to go. Great. Okay. Um, Mrs. McQuaig, Mr. McQuaig. I'll have to kind of evaluate that in terms of uh, how they're kind of uh, hosting, I guess. Uh, just uh, I, I can't afford to be down at this point in time. Yeah. Okay. Well, how about you let me know if you can by tomorrow morning? Yeah. Okay. Um, and the same thing for Mrs. McQuaig? Yeah. Um, how about Ms. Moni or Ms. Modi? Sorry, it's getting late. Um, oh, <laughs> to be honest, didn't think I was going to get the invite. <laughs> so I wasn't prepared. I wasn't thinking about it. Well, um, you want to think I, overnight or now? Uh, let me think overnight. It's possible. Okay. okay. So uh, it looks like we have uh, possibly four. I don't know about uh, Mr. Parker. Who else should be um, asked? That's about it. I think so, eh? Okay, so um, thus far we have four. So let's say, uh, hope, sorry, 9.30 tomorrow morning, if you wouldn't mind uh, letting me know. And um, if we get a table, which has um, a table of 10 is $850. Um, I don't quite know how we pay all that or pay for it, but um, that's what your um, motion was to buy a table of 10, Deputy Mayor. So there should yeah. be room. Aren't they just sitting table of eight, you were saying? Well, it says 10. It oh, says okay. 10. So maybe there were usually 12 at a table and now there's 10 or something. Would it be easier maybe just so that we're not constrained by the motion to um, to just invite, uh, you know, just say council and admin, uh, enable council and admin to attend. And then if we end up doing like, oh, this person can't go or this person can bring a plus one or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, that that just leaves it open and flexible. Otherwise, like, oh, we can only do 10 and that's that, you know. So 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 can I amend my motion uh to say that to enable council and admin to attend the Davis Awards and then we'll work out the numbers. I'm sure you Certainly. can if, if I email the chamber and just tell them that we're taking a table of 10, they'll yes. just invoice us. Okay. Okay, okay so um get your numbers to me as best you can by tomorrow and we'll get a table of 10 if this motion passes. So we have a motion on the floor that uh, option one, basically we buy a table of 10 and the mayor 
give a, a speech. It'll be shorter than this meeting, but um, we'll get there. Okay, all those in favor? Great, thank you. Okay, now we're on to a document. We have a briefing note with respect to the operating and capital variance report. Uh, it's dated January 21, 2022, but it's as of December 31, 2021. And Ms. Bell, I believe, is doing this. Yes, your worship. Yes. Okay, thank you. I will not read through the entire report line by line. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, I'm sure you've all read it. What I'd like to do is highlight a couple of uh, um, key points within the document and then I'll uh, open it up for questions from Council. Uh, one, please do not take this variance report as your year-end actuals. There are quite a number of accruals that are going on currently. Uh, there's still quite a number of outstanding invoices that we will be accounting for through the year-end process. So these are not your final numbers. Secondly, there is a significant identified surplus throughout various departments within the town uh, budgets and they are predominantly, not all of them, um, due to a lot of the public health restrictions and closures that occurred over the year. Um, it feels like many years ago, but it, it was literally recent past six months ago that we were actually, the pool and the Baytex were closed for the spring and early summer. Um, even I had forgotten some of that sometimes. It feels like a long time ago, wasn't that long ago. We did budget for a more normal year in 2021, not knowing what the world uh, was still to bring forth to us. And it was still a lot of restrictions and a lot of closures and a significant a number of impacts. Um, a lot of our training was deferred. Um, we didn't offer workshops in person through our um, community activities and events. We weren't able to host large community events. So you will see some significant surpluses within this report and it, it is predominantly due to that COVID impact or there was a significant amount of capacity issues. Um, we've had the mass exodus as uh, other areas of and industries are dealing with uh, so has the town of peace river been impacted the corporate services department alone had six vacancies um, at one time over the last six months that's pretty substantial um, those are the key areas that i wanted to highlight uh, overall uh, key points within this variance report so i'll open it up for council members for any questions you might have Okay. Um, Councillor Shannon, you look like maybe you're going to ask a question. No? No, oh, I'm just looking right now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, I'll, I'll have a question. The airport one uh, came yes. to my uh, view. Um, can you just go into why it's like that? Sure. So the, the airport situation is um, 
we have a financial commitment to the airport operations of 700,000 as noted within the budget report and also the wages staffing costs are, will remain with the town for one year, which is coming up uh, after the first quarter of this 2022 year. There are expenditures outside of those two categories, but they're layovers from the transfer that will be um, invoiced back to the company. They just haven't occurred and they're, uh, they're informed, they know they're coming, they're part of the year-end process. So you will see a significant change by year-end with the final year-end document in the airport budget areas. So you said not to take this as the year end because of what you just said, yes. amongst other things, but say that there's, I don't know, let's pick $50,000 is left over. So to partly answer Chamber of Commerce question, where does that 50,000 go? Well, and that will be a conversation that you will have with your director of corporate services once he's up to speed. Um, typically, that is placed in reserve as per the reserve policy that you have in place currently. There would be a recommendation to proceed down that path, depending on what your surplus amount looks like. And it's looking like more than 50000 In my conversation with our... Um, contracted individual who works with the city of Grand Prairie, they are running a substantial um, surplus also this year and predominantly due to closure of facilities, um, staffing cutbacks, COVID impacts have been significant. Well, yep. when you take travel and training out of a lot of it, that's a significant Yeah. No hours for pool staff for over three months and yeah. significant reduction of hours for uh, February through April when we were running just a one household rental only. Well, I only needed three staff in the building at that time, not six. Well, it will be interesting discussions with the the uh, with Terry, our new new director, um, because uh, it's kind of obvious in many ways, the town has lots of need for this and that, including some uh, reserves, shall we say. Mm -hmm. But uh, any further questions? Okay, I thought this was a very well done report. It was, uh, I thought, uh, very easy to understand and um, very well written. So thank you, whoever had a part of that. And thank you, Hi. Director Bell. You're very welcome. I'll pass it, pass it on to Blair, who uh, is working with us with seconded from the city of Grand Prix. It's been very helpful. Great. Okay, now the next one is a request for a decision with respect to a tax waiver for the Peace River Regional Women's Shelter. And Mrs. McQuaig, are you going to lead us through this? I am your worship and counsel. This is... Uh, a bit unusual in terms of tax waiver requests. Council heard from the uh, Sandra O'Doherty, the uh, current director of the Peace River Women's Shelter uh, at the most recent meeting, uh, requesting that council look at a tax waiver. And rather than repeating the uh, whole RFD at this point in the evening, I'll try to summarize 
the women's shelter is eligible for tax waiver under what they call a copter program, the Community Organizational Property Tax Exemption Regulation, which is a subsection of the MGA. Uh, they applied for an exemption last fall for their new facility, which has been granted for the next two years. However, they've had this donated building in their possession since April of 2020. In, at that time, it wasn't operating as a shelter, so it wasn't eligible for tax exemption. So when the application period opened at the end of 2020, it wasn't eligible. They didn't actually gain occupancy until August of 2021. So they would have applied in 2020 for the 2021 year and going forward, they weren't eligible at that time. Their next application date was the 30th September and that's the application that they made going forward. So they've made this request for taxes for 2020, penalties that arose because the taxes weren't paid in 2020, as well as the 2021. So they're asking for all or part. There's no mechanism under Copter or any other funding program that we could respond to this request. And obviously 2020 is long since closed. We're wrapping up 2021 now it wouldn't have any impact on their taxation status, which is in any case fully paid up. So functionally, this would be a contribution to the operations of the women's shelter uh, in some form of amount for the taxes. Okay. Councillors, any questions? Are we talking about the property that was donated by uh, Peace yes. River Broadcasting? Yes. yes, yes. It actually only operated as a shelter in 2021 for about 131 days. And that's the lower of the three recommendations, the one that's in. Sorry, I only have one screen, so I can't speak to you and read at the same time. <laughs> so that's the one that's the range of about $2,500, which represents the time that they were functioning as tax exempt under the program, but for which there's no mechanism for them to claim that aside from the goodness of the town, essentially. Uh, but again, there's no funding source identified for this. This is regardless of what council decides, this is gonna be a 2022 budgetary question. Okay. So uh, we have other uh, charitable organizations, societies that uh, apply for uh, tax exemption um, and quite frankly, usually approved. And then they have to uh, report back to the town annually to show that they're in good standing with the Societies Act and so on. So this is kind of there, but kind of late in the game. It, it, it and is different. it isn't. Um, there are certain properties or certain classes of applicants that we have to automatically accept. Okay. And they would have fallen into that category so retroactively uh, in bringing it to council wasn't actually necessary because they are deemed automatically accepted as if they apply. Okay, would someone like to put forth a motion of some sort on this topic? If no one does, that means, uh, okay, Mr. Ford. 
Thank you, Your Worship. I put a motion on the floor that council provides a prorated waiver in the amount of $2,528.21 for the time the property was serving as a shelter as recommended. Thank you. Any further discussion for the motion? All those in favor of the motion? Um, uh, anybody opposed? Okay, it is carried. Thank you. Thank you. That's a tough one, you know, like, because I think it's the intention of, like, I'm looking at everyone's faces and it's like, I think it's the intention of councils to do what we can, but there's just, we just don't have the mechanism to do what we can. Mm -hmm. And yeah. we're just in a, we're just in a, I a guess. A and to give council a heads up, we are getting another request coming in, which is greater than this one. Is this for the main building? For, is no, this, this is for an entire this is for an entirely different case okay okay the third applicant in the future okay we're now at um I, i'm going to go back uh because of the way the looks of these um items and does someone want to make a um, motion accepting the operation and capital variance report uh for information thank you deputy mayor stammerhorn all those in favor it is carried, thank you very much. Okay, the next one is request for decision on electric vehicle charging stations and acting CAO Bell will talk about this. Yes, buy your electric cars. That's, I'm excited. I move option one. <laughs> Perfect, is that, I hadn't even scrolled to that part of the report yet. Uh, that is the recommended option. So quick gist, there is a grant program available. The administration has looked into um, the this opportunity and it does look like a very good opportunity to put in EV chargers that are useful. They're a quick charge, not the long-term charge. So option one being, uh, a, administration proceeding with an application option to that we look into partnership options um, before applying for the grant but there's a, a time constraint is there or you're kind of I believe there they might have a lot of applications I, 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 yeah I believe it was more hurry up and get it in yeah okay Councillor Ford Yes, uh, Mr. McQuaig, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you did provide a presentation to the previous council in regards to charging stations, uh, underground infrastructure where the, the, this type of charging station could be, uh, could be used and not be used depending if the infrastructure is there. Um, the other thing we, I remember we talked about is if there are some businesses that were maybe wanting to get involved in this, as well as we were gonna have uh, discussions with ACO. I don't have any problem with, uh, with uh, Mr. Scammerhorn's uh, motion for option one, but would we be in contact with, uh, with ACO with regards to this? Um, yeah, so the, the process on this would uh, be to, once we have the grant and 
this this just the grant just applies to the installation of the facility. So there again, because there are two types of charging stations we can look at. One's an AC charging station, one is a DC charging station. DC charging stations are the fast charge charging stations, but they require different adapters. So you know, uh, if we're going to go down the street, we'll probably have to do maybe one of each. And but we would look at kind of putting it onto uh, town property, uh, so uh, to facilitate that. But then there's uh, and then so that would be coordinated with that goal because we would have to put in a new service in a new three phase service to facilitate this, especially for the fast charge stations. Uh, so that's part of it. And then we looked at also the ongoing operational maintenance costs of this. So if we went ahead with this, the way we would look at that would be on a cost recovery basis. So, you know, we would come up with a, a rate that uh, patrons would have to pay uh, to charge their vehicles. And so we'd have to make provision maybe for, you know, a card swipe or a tap or something like that, that uh, people can actually, uh, get their uh, charge pre-approved before they actually start charging. Uh, so there's a number of factors to, to look at here, but this, this grant would definitely cover the, the installation costs. And you know, as we went through that process, you know, we would figure out to, uh, what the actual usage charge would be. Hey, thank you, guys. Uh, like there again, I, I remember making a motion in my first term of council of, about, uh, and I'm sure uh, Tanya would appreciate this about uh, uh, applying for a grant for transportation. We got the grant, but we're not able to use the funds. So I, I like I said, just wanted to, to double check to make sure that if we did apply for this grant, that we were, we were able to accomplish what we want to accomplish. Yeah, and I think this is kind of the province's way of kind of providing a bit of uptake on uh, EV charges in the area, because uh, I think, you know, the initial hope is you have your gas stations kind of jump on board and provide them, but uh, I don't see that that has happened or not as ha uh, happening quickly as the province would like. So this is kind of your kind of interim measure to, to help that process along. Well, I- As I've a second request that, uh, that um, report that you provided um, to some of us, in our last term of council, are you able to forward that report to our new council members so they can see it? Yeah. Um, I've uh, heard various um, news items basically that um, uh, basically towns should get on the um, tourist track of EV stations so people do their little drive and they can plug in and have lunch and go on their way sort of thing. So like the hydrogen from the ATCO, it seems to be the wave. So I agree with um, making it uh, chargeable to people low. We do pay for gas when we gas up our car. So when we electrify it, it should be the same. Um, I would be hopeful that um, we do the uh, 30 minute charging kinds of stations. And um, in the future, perhaps we're gonna have to look at um, maybe some bigger truck type charging stations too, however all that will work. But we do have a motion on the floor, I believe. I think Deputy Mayor Scammerhorn made one. 
Yeah, um, I was trying to be fast. You you tried. Uh, <laughs> any further discussion? Mr. Good? Is there anything, Jim, is there anything stopping us once we've got that of looking like you have the comment here about reaching out to the business community? Is there anything precluding us after we get the yes to approaching them and saying, is there a partnership available? Um, Sure. Does it stop us from asking the question? No, I don't think there is. Uh, Director I'm good Boyle, with it. I'm good with it then. Okay. Uh, Councillor Boychuk, you had a question? or? Yeah, I just uh, wonder what the yearly yearly fee to operate these is and, and what type of technicians we're looking at to, to do maintenance on these. We're probably talking high voltage special electricians. It's not your typical. Uh, they're 600 volt. Uh, okay, so that's not too uh, bad. Yeah. And like that's on the DC charger. On the AC charger, it's a uh, 28 volt, three phase. So nothing specialized uh, if it breaks down and it's out really. of service it's for some, two months. It's something, you know, uh, we would typically contract some of that maintenance out to uh, one of our electrical, local electrical firms. For the amount that we have to maintain it but okay. those kind of costs you know between uh the installation when we actually put them into implementation we would go through and do a cost analysis of what that operating cost is going to be and then come up with the cost of the first year and then see where we're at at the end of the year if we're not quite making it then we'll bump it up a little sort of like a water bill. You try and pay for some of the infrastructure, yep. right? Okay, um, did we vote on that motion? No. Okay, Deputy Mayor Scammerhorn wants us to vote on the motion. All those in favor? Great, thank you very much. Okay, the, the next item is um, a request from the Northern Alberta Elected Leaders um, Group to, uh, ask our town to vote on a motion. So I usually have attended these and um, what it is, this um, group was uh, usually, um, usually NADC did the administrative part of uh, NAEL. So the secretarial work, the booking of uh, events and AV and all that kind of stuff. Um, NADC has notified NAEL that they are restructuring and will no longer be able to provide this as of mid-2021. So um, there was a committee struck and they're at the bottom of the page there and um, what to do. There was a opportunity for a grant, $25,000 grant to uh, basically hire somebody to do that work over the course of one year and figure out things because it came upon us rather suddenly. This group only meets um, two times a year usually. So the question is, is the town council in support of NADC uh, using the grant to uh, hire a Mr. Jim Rennie as a consultant to support to perform the administrative duties of NAEL for one year and a contract from February 1 through uh, January 31 of 2023. So I, I would kind of need somebody to move that and then we can discuss vote or not. It does not cost the town anything. The way that group operates, these kinds of things needs to go back to the council, individual councils to decide. 
reps can't just decide sort of thing. So would somebody put forth a motion that they would uh, be in support of this motion? I can move that. Oh, thank you very much, Councillor Shannon. So basically we're supporting NAEL hiring Mr. Rennie to use the grant money to do the administrative support for a year. That's what it is. So all those in favor of that motion? Great, thank you very much. It is carried. Next one is acting CAO Bell is talking about a letter of support for a CMHA grant. And um, let's see, is this one where? Oh, what's going on here? I don't know. Someone's asking um, me to go. Oh. Is Mr. Boychuk, yes. are you uh, gonna say something? Are you in conflict of interest or? Um, not sure. Um, is, I don't believe so. But because uh, not pecuniary for this letter of support. Pardon me. <clears throat> I was the one asking for this letter of support. Yeah, so that probably means you're in conflict of interest because it's you asking for this that supports kind of work that you're doing, even though you're not paid for it, sort of thing. So, can I just make the motions that that way he doesn't have to? I mean, no, not, we have to leave. He should be leaving, actually. So I think that's why. Yeah, that's why you would join the room one, Mr. Oh, okay. Oh. Sorry about that. No, uh, that's fine. that out again, Ruth. I will just right have to directly screen, transfer you. Just give me a moment. Let's see. Uh, you guys have any questions before I go? No, we uh, shouldn't speak to it then, I guess. My apologies. I have to create a new room. That's my fault because I thought you made a mistake and I, I, I closed it. No, uh, sorry. Uh, we could go on to the next item and come back. No, I have sent him, good. I believe. I just got it as well. Everybody oh. did, but Mark's going to accept it. Oh. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Um, so, Acting CAO Bell, would you like yes. to? Thank you, Ms. McQuaig, because I had completely forgotten about that component of this particular request. This uh, request presented before you is in regards to a grant application to the Canadian Mental Health Association uh, Rural Mental Health Community Project. Um, there's grant options up upwards of $40,000 that um, Mr. Boychuk in his capacity as what, what's called an animator. So this is an individual that's been trained to be a resource in the community and provide some networking and connections for agencies and community members. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's an uncompensated position as such. Um, Mr. Boychuk has left the room, so we just uh, are proceeding with his request as attached in his uh, email. The letter is attached as proposed written, 
for Council's review if they'd like any comments on that, but your options are to provide a letter of uh, support as attached for the CMHA grant application. It is in approximately $40,000, I believe, is being applied for. Option two is to accept the request for information. And I see one of the uh, items is that he, if successful, he would organize a one-day conference in Peace River to um, try to make connections between various um, agency groups. So that's a correct. Good thing. Yeah, that's correct. Okay, sorry, uh, Councillor Good. I was just going to move the recommendation. The council provides the attached letter of support and Canadian mental health grant grant application. Great. Uh, any further comments? All those in favor of the motion? Well, thank you. It is carried. So now we need Mr. Boychuk to come back. Let's all just shake our heads like this when he comes back. <laughs> Would be encouraging of our new counselors. I well, welcome back, Mr. Boychuk. He can write his own letter. Oh, wait, he's back. Okay, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> uh, there was a motion passed to support the uh, the request and send the letter of support. So good luck and uh, looking forward to the conference in November. Thank you. I've also, just so you know, I've also received a letter of support from our MLA the head of one of the heads of AHS and uh, our mental health and addiction series. So it's, it's looking good. Yeah, very good start. Okay, so uh, item nine was deleted. The new item, item nine is the uh, Director of Community Services Bell um, Budget Allocation for Organization and Compensation Review. Thank you, Your Worship. Um, again, I'll try to be succinct on this topic. Uh, within the proposed 2022 budget was a, an approximate $80,000 uh, allocation for an upcoming organizational and compensation review. Um, due to the timing of council's strategic planning process and wanting to have some of this information collected and ready to go prior to that, um, that console or that workshop administration proceeded with a RFP and we now have a little clearer budget dollar amounts that we might be needing for this particular project. However, with the budget not approved as of yet, we need specific approval from council to uh, proceed with the RFP final process in the RFP, um, the awarding process went after our evaluation so that we have the dollars allocated to this particular project so we can get it rolling as soon as possible. Um, two options before council today is to approve the expenditure up to 60,000. And uh, remember we had budgeted actually 80,000. So there's a slight cost savings here for the organizational and compensation review or option two is to direct administration to await the approval process of the 2022 operating budget and proceed at that time. Thank you. 
So this organizational uh, review and salary review was um, one of the strategies uh, suggested uh, last year. And uh, that's why it came about sort of thing. So any further questions of uh, Director Bell? Any motions might be forthcoming? I'll move that we uh, approve the expenditure of $60,000 for the organizational and compensation review. Any further questions, discussion? Yeah, if I may, um, the sooner we get it done, potential savings would be more effectual if we were to engage in them sooner as well. The longer we hold this off, if we were to find savings, we would just not be saving money for less time. And so if we're gonna do it, sooner is better. Okay, thank you. Uh, Councillor Shannon. Um, so you're saying that if there is savings there, we should do it sooner or later. But how do we know if there is a savings? That seems like a lot of money to spend on a study when we don't have any. Like, is it crucial that we do it right now? Can that not be deferred to the next budget? Because since we're actually kind of just like proceeding out of the COVID situation and, and like how, how did you, um, like what do you foresee coming out of this except for savings and like, is it a, why do you think it is so crucial to do now? I guess it's what I'm, I'm asking. There's a couple, oh, okay. go ahead. Mary. No, yeah. You know. uh, one of the things uh, with respect to the salary review is to uh, figure out if Peace River is offering, um, comparable and attractive salaries to attract employees. So that's one aspect. Uh, the second aspect was whether or not we are right-sized in various departments for the uh, service level work that is expected. So those are two of the reasons that I'm aware of. Um, Director Bell? Yeah, efficiency and organizational structure. Um, do we have the right parts in the right location. That, that was a very odd way to lay it out. Um, the other component is we're asking for the consultants to assist us in uh, recruitment and attraction and not just salary, but are there other uh, unique ways or other ways, other benefits, other uh, aspects that we can be offering. Um, we're seeing some significant staff turnover and we're looking for other ways to help attract and retain individuals. So those are some of the reason reasonings behind it. Um, some of the timing again is information that council would have readily available for that strategic planning session as part of one more piece of information in your toolkit to help make some decisions. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Councillor Good. Yeah, I just had one comment. One of the comments that was made a number of times during the election, um, which was not that long ago, was, well, you know, the town has too many people, et cetera. You know, they, I, I know they used to run on four guys and now they have whatever the number was, you know, and they used to run on this and now they're running on this and what they just, you know, it's been hiring and hiring lists. I think, unfortunately, you have to spend money to get a real answer. And 
there had the questions been brought up are we are we right size do we have too many people do we have too little if we have do we have as you know as director bell talked about do we have them in the right places do we have them in the right places going forward and if we get this information we'll be able to do a much better job at the strategic planning of uh, responding to whatever information is brought to us i don't see any harm in it i certainly don't like the idea of spending sixty thousand dollars i just don't believe there's any other way to get the answer and and the the motion or the um sorry the option was up to sixty thousand. that doesn't necessarily um even better 49.95 it, it could be 35 it could be 40 it's Okay, so moving along now, uh, Councillor Carr. With with somebody coming in and doing that, obviously it's somebody to be hired by administration to come in and, mm -hmm. and, and do that report. Now, would that report go back to council? Yep. Yes, it, it will be. You will see a copy of this. Absolutely. Okay. Thank yep. you. It'll end up being one of the inputs into some decision making, I guess. Absolutely. Okay, would uh, someone care to uh, move us along on this? Yeah, uh, I did. Councillor Good? Oh. Or did you already? I thought I did. I believe oh. Mr. Sca uh, Councillor Scamhorn ma made a motion for option. My apologies, Councillor Good. Uh, yeah. Deputy S Mayor Scamhorn has uh, moved option one, I believe. Yes. Yeah, thank you. All those in favor of the motion? Great, it is carried, thank you. Okay, uh, we're now on to reports and um, uh, Mr. Websdale really picked the right first meeting to come to here. So <laughs> we're moving faster now. Anyways, reports. So we have um, Peace River Chamber of Commerce annual meeting. So that is included for everyone's perusal in the um, minute or in this uh, agenda package. We have Northern Lakes College Community Education minutes of the November 9th meeting, November 9th, because the minutes happen every two to three months with that organization. So to get approved minutes, it's always quite a ways uh, behind times. And also the minutes of the December 12th Peace River Aboriginal Interagency Committee. Are there any questions on any of those reports? I'll Counselor move they all be accepted for information. Okay, thank you. Um, and councillors are reminded that when you attend meetings and uh, things like that, that you should be trying to get your minutes submitted to uh, Mrs. McQuaig for inclusion in our uh, public documents. Um, all those in favor of Councillor Good's motion to accept for information. It is carried. Thank you very much. Information. We have a rather long report on the uh, economics of the Canadian Northern Corridor. Uh, part of that um, um, bit of information got missed, but it was, well, it, it's in there. It's that they're having round tables of various groups. I don't know, there's about 20 different groups, one of which is um, municipalities like us. And um, this group is uh, from the University of Calgary uh, School of Public Policy. They are looking at, um, well, input into uh, decisions and what has to happen in, or in order to get a northern, call it transportation care, uh, corridor, 
whatever. It could be part of East-West, it could be to the Northern uh, Northwest Territories and so on. So um, I put this in here when it came through my email. Uh, basically, I'd like to be enabled to attend it. It's a, a three hour Zoom session. It happens to be tomorrow um, to just see what they're saying, report back and see if we are for the part of it or, or whatever. So that was my intention of uh, asking this to be added to the agenda. If anybody would like to enable me to attend, that would be great. Otherwise, we'll just go for information and carry on. Um, I'll move that you be enabled to attend. Okay. Thank you, Council. I'm familiar with that project, and uh, I think yeah, I'd be curious. I'd be happy to hear what you bring back from it. It's okay. great, great stuff happening there. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Um, so, Councillor Shannon has moved that the mayor be enabled to attend the. Um, Zoom session on the Canadian Northern Corridor uh, project from the School of Public Policy, University of Calgary. All those in favor? Great. Okay, the next one, letter of support from the City of Cold Lake to fast track accreditation of doctors and nurses. So um, you've uh, read this. Uh, Basically, City of Cold Lake is supporting the Crow's Nest Pass uh, uh, letter asking for, um, what was it here? Streamlining of foreign physician assessments. Apparently, there's a somewhat of a time delay in this whole process. I don't know if we want to send a letter of support on that or leave it for information. Did I miss one too? Oh, yes, there's a second page. This is a letter of support for fast tracking immigrant nurses for certification in Alberta. I heard on the radio today, believe it or not, that in a few years, the, they, they said something like 6 million um, nurses will, will be short, 6 million nurses in the world. It's kind of unbelievable. I, I don't know, maybe I heard it wrong, but anyways, any uh, any action on this? Someone we, just, we don't seem to be politically opposing anybody by making uh, uh, offering these. Uh, we, we've been put in that position with requests for letters before. Yeah. So I, I would I would support these letters. I would move to to support these letters. Okay. So Deputy Mayor Scammerhorn has moved that uh, basically we write letters of support on the. Um, streamlining of foreign physician assessments and fast tracking immigrant nurses for certification in Alberta. Any questions on that? All those in favor? Great, you guys are really tracking along here. Okay, there's a letter from Tollfield to the Premier with respect to vaccine availability in rural Alberta. Basically, uh, Tollfield is saying that there are not enough places for uh, vaccines for youth at pharmacies in rural Alberta. Um, does anyone who's read the letter care to? Uh... We're we're pretty rural. Mm -hmm. I've I've not. Yeah, I don't know what their circumstance is, but I know the pharmacies in Peace River seem to have vaccines. I don't. I'm assuming for all ages that are eligible. I don't know. I read that they had to travel up to what was it, sixty or seventy kilometers to yeah. get a 
imagination. That's like half of our kids' bus rides. I, like, I just, you know, I, I, up here, it's like, I got to go to Grand Prairie for a volleyball term. It's like, well, yeah, there's like, <laughs> okay. It's like, you got to go yeah. 200 kilometers. So, so I'm getting the gist that maybe this will be accepted for information. Or did you have a different thought, Deputy Mayor? No, I just, it just, anecdotally, I guess, yeah. it just doesn't ring true for, yeah. for, for Well, we're in a different area of Alberta, seem to sometimes think things through differently, too. Um, I'll move to accept for information. Thank you. All those in favor? Great. It is carried, I think. Yeah, everybody. Okay. Um, we have a letter to council from Nate Horner, Minister of Agriculture, Forestry, and Rural Economic Development. My perusal of this was basically saying that um, they have an agriculture sector strategy, a forestry sector strategy, and they support agriculture and food and create thousands of jobs in Alberta. So I don't think there's anything to be done with that other than would we accept it for information? Uh, let's see, Councillor Good would accept that for information. I will be accepted for information. Thank you. All those in favor? Thank you. It is carried. Uh, number five is community engagement with the proposed Alberta Provincial Police Force. I'm getting so I can't talk. Um, so this one. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. This one, um, various groups are going around to Alberta presenting um, their thoughts on the provincial police force. Uh, this one is from the national, uh, what's their proper title? National Police Federation. Um, as some of the councillors have mentioned in the past, it was probably a good idea if we get different viewpoints on this. So, uh, would council enable their participation? Um, there's one coming to Peace River on March 3rd. There are virtual sessions from this Wednesday, Thursday, and next week. Would anybody be prepared to, oh, sorry, Councillor Carr? I actually did register for the one on the third in Peace River already. Good, okay. Would, uh, we maybe maybe make a motion to enable uh, councillors that wish to attend these to uh, be able to attend. Uh, Councillor Carr, or good? Um, I'll move to enable any councillors that wish to attend. Okay. Uh, all those in favor? It is carried. Okay, you guys are getting good here. Um, we have number uh, section 11, notice of motion. Any of those, Director Bell? Nope. Uh, comments from the public? Uh, Ms. McQuaig, anything on the Zoom land? No, nope. we are all quiet on the digital front. Okay, key communication items. We don't have um, Ms. Bouchard here, to, or Bouchard here today, so uh, we we'll can just leave that for admin to uh, fill her in, perhaps. Okay. Yep. Okay, now we've got one last thing to do, which is um, move to close session. So would someone care to do that for us to make a motion to move to closed? Councillor Four? He does. All those in favor? Good.
So 10.01, we're moving to close. So do we have a breakout room? Okay, did we all move over? Yes, we did. Okay, we're all here. So uh, would someone care to make a motion to adjourn? Nobody? Okay. Uh, Councillor Boychuk, thank you. All those in favor? Great. Everybody voted. It's carried. Thank you. And uh, thanks, everybody, for your patience and uh, evening, attentiveness. Have a good night. And, uh, Warren, hurry and get to bed. You got work in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Up at 4.30. Mark, if you don't mind that, that uh, letter of support, uh, make sure you send uh, a request to uh, our RCMP CAC group so we can do the same thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm running short. It's got to be done by the end of this month here. And I'm, yeah, but I'm I, sure I we meetings on meetings on Wednesday. I'm sure I'm sure he'll get it done for you. Oh, yeah. Okay, perfect. Thank you. I will. I'll send that out. I'll put it okay, on. Take, take care, everybody, and see Thanks. some of you on Saturday night. Emails. Good night. Yeah.